A Ghost Story by Mark Twain I took a large room, far up Broadway, in a huge old building whose upper stories had been wholly unoccupied for years. Until I came. The place had long been given up to dust and cobwebs, solitude and silence. I seemed, groping among the tombs and invading the privacy of dead, that first night I climbed up to my quarters. For the first time in my life, a superstitious dread came over me. And as I turned a dark angle of the stairway and an invisible cobweb swung its slazy woof in my face and clung there, I shuddered as one who had encountered a phantom. I was glad enough when I reached my room and locked out the mold in the darkness. A cheery fire was burning in the grate, and I sat down before it with a comforting sense of relief. For two hours I sat there, thinking of bygone times, recalling old scenes, and summoning half-forgotten faces out of the mists of the past, listening in fancy to voices that long ago grew silent for all time and to once familiar songs that nobody sings now. As my reverie softened down to sadder and sadder pathos, the shrieking of the winds outside softened to a wail, the angry beating of the rain against the panes diminished to a tranquil patter, and one by one the noises in the street subsided until the hurrying footsteps of the last belated straggler died away in the distance and left no sound behind. The fire had burned low. A sense of loneliness crept over me. I arose and undressed, moving on tiptoe around the room, doing stealthily what I had to do, as if I were environed by sleeping enemies whose slumbers it would be fatal to break. I covered up in bed and lay listening to the rain and wind and the faint creaking of distant shutters till they lulled me to sleep. I slept profoundly, but how long? I don't know. All at once I found myself awake and was filled with a shuddering expectancy. All was still, all but my own heart. I could hear it beat. Presently, the bedclothes began to slip away slowly toward the floor of the bed, as if someone were pulling them. I couldn't stir, I couldn't speak. Still, the blankets slipped deliberately away, till my breast was uncovered. Then, with a great effort, I seized them and drew them over my head. I waited, listened, waited. Once more, that steady pull began, and once more I lay torpid, a century of dragging seconds, till my breast was naked again. At last, I roused my energies and snatched the covers back to their place and held them with a strong grip. I waited. By and by, I felt a faint tug and took a fresh grip. The tug strengthened to a steady strain. It grew stronger and stronger. My hold parted, and for the third time, the blanket slid away. I groaned. An answering groan came from the foot of the bed. Beaded drops of sweat stood upon my forehead. I was more dead than alive. Presently, I heard a heavy footstep in the room, the step of an elephant, it seemed to me. It was not like anything human, but it was moving from me. There was a relief in that. I heard it approach the door, pass without moving bolt or lock, and wander away among the dismal corridors, straining the floors and joists till they creaked again as it passed, and then silence reigned once more. When my excitement had calmed, I said to myself, this is a dream, simply a hideous dream. And so I lay thinking it over until I convinced myself that it was a dream. And then a comforting laugh relaxed my lips, and I was happy again. I got up and struck a light, and when I found that the locks and bolts were just as I had left them, another soothing laugh welled up in my heart and rippled from my lips. I took my pipe and lit it, and was just sitting down before the fire when, down went the pipe out of my nerveless fingers, the blood forsook my cheeks, and my placid breathing was cut short with a gasp. In the ashes on the hearth, side by side with my own bare footprint, was another, so vast that in comparison mine was but as an infant's. Then I had had a visitor, and the elephant tread was explained. I put out the light and returned to bed, palsied with fear. I lay a long time peering into the darkness and listening. Then I heard a grating noise overhead, like the dragging of a heavy body across the floor. Then the throwing down of the body and the shaking of my windows in response to the concussion. 
In distant parts of the building, I heard the muffled slamming of doors. I heard, at intervals, stealthy footsteps creeping in and out among the corridors, up and down the stairs. Sometimes these noises approached my door, hesitated, and went away again. I heard the clanking of chains faintly in remote passages and listened while the clanking grew nearer, while it wearily climbed the stairs, marking each move by the loose surplus of chain that fell with an accented rattle upon each succeeding step as the goblin that bore it advanced. I heard muttered sentences, half-uttered screams that seemed smothered violently, and the swish of invisible garments, the rush of invisible wings. Then I became conscious that my chamber was invaded, that I was not alone. I heard sighs and breathings about my bed and mysterious whisperings. Three little spheres of soft, phosphorescent light appeared on the ceiling directly above my head, clung and glowed there a moment, and then dropped two of them upon my face and one upon the pillow. They spattered liquidly and felt warm. Intuition told me they had turned to gouts of blood as they fell. I needed no light to satisfy myself of that. Then I saw pallid faces, dimly luminous and white uplifted hands, floating bodiless in the air, floating a moment and then disappearing. The whispering ceased in the voices and the sounds and a solemn stillness followed. I waited and listened. I felt that I must have light or die. I was weak with fear. I slowly raised myself toward a sitting posture and my face came into contact with what felt like a clammy hand. All the strength went out of me apparently and I fell back like a stricken invalid. Then I heard the rustle of a garment. It seemed to pass to the door and go out. When everything was still once more, I crept out of bed, sick and feeble, and lit the gas with a hand that trembled as if it had aged a hundred years. The light brought down some little cheer to my spirits. I sat down and fell into a dreamy contemplation of that great footprint in the ashes. By and by, its outlines began to waver and grow dim. I glanced up, and the broad gas flame was slowly wilting away. In the same moment, I heard that elephantine tread again. I noted its approach, nearer and nearer, along the musty halls, and dimmer and dimmer the light waned. The tread reached my very door and paused. The light had dwindled to a sickly blue, and all things about me lay in a spectral twilight. The door did not open, and yet I felt a faint gust of air fan my cheek and presently was conscious of a huge, cloudy presence before me. I watched it with fascinated eyes. A pale glow stole over the thing. Gradually, its cloudy folds took shape. An arm appeared, then legs, then a body. And at last, a great sad face looked out of the vapor. Stripped of its filmy housings, naked, muscular, and comely, the majestic Cardiff Giant loomed above me. All my misery vanished, for a child might know that no harm could come with that benign presence. My cheerful spirits returned at once, and in sympathy with them, the gas flamed up brightly again. Never a lonely outcast was so glad to welcome company as I was to greet the friendly giant. I said, Why is it nobody but you? Do you know I have been scared to death for the last two or three hours? I am most honestly glad to see you. I wish I had a chair. Here, here, don't stray. But it was too late. He was in it before I could stop him, and down he went. Never saw a chair shivered so in my life. Stop, stop, you'll ruin every... Too late again. There was another crash, and another chair was resolved into its original elements. Confound it, haven't you got any judgment at all? Do you want to ruin all the furniture on the place? Here, here, you petrified fool. It was no use. Before I could arrest him, he had sat down on the bed, and it was a melancholy ruin. Now what sort of way is that to do? First you come lumbering about the place, bringing a legion of vagabond goblins along with you to worry me to death. And then when I overlook an indelicacy of costume, which would not be tolerated anywhere by cultivated people, except in a respectable theater, and not even there if the nudity were of your sex, 
You repay me by wrecking all the furniture you can find to sit down on. And why will you? You damage yourself as much as you do me. You have broken off the end of your spinal column and littered up the floor with chips of your hands till the place looks like a marble yard. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're big enough to know better. Well, I will not break any more furniture. But what am I to do? I have not had a chance to sit down for a century. And the tears came to his eyes. Poor devil, I said. I should not have been so harsh with you. And you are an orphan too, no doubt. But sit down on the floor here. Nothing else can stand your weight. And besides, we can't be sociable with you way up there above me. I want you down where I can perch on this high counting house stool and gossip with you face to face. So he sat down on the floor and lit a pipe, which I gave him, threw one of my red blankets over his shoulders and inverted my sits bath on his head, helmet fashion, and made himself picturesque and comfortable. Then he crossed his ankles while I renewed the fire and exposed the flat, honeycomb bottoms of his prodigious feet to the grateful warmth. What is the matter with the bottom of your feet and the back of your legs that they are gouged up so? Infernal chillbanes. I caught them clear up to the back of my head roosting out there under Newell's farm. But I love the place. I love it as one loves his old home. There is no peace for me like the peace I feel when I am there. We talked along for half an hour, and then I noticed that he looked tired and spoke of it. Tired, he said. Well, I should think so. And I will tell you all about it, since you have treated me so well. I am the spirit of the petrified man that lies across the street there in the museum. I am the ghost of the Cardiff Giant. I can have no rest, no peace till they have given that poor body burial again. Now what was the most natural thing for me to do to make men satisfy this wish? Terrify them into it. Haunt the place where the body lay. So I haunted the museum night after night. I even got other spirits to help me. But it did no good, for nobody ever came to the museum at midnight. Then it occurred to me, come over the way and haunt this place a little. I felt that if I ever got a hearing, I must succeed, for I had the most efficient company that perdition could furnish. Night after night, we have shivered around through these mildewed halls, dragging chains, groaning, whispering, tramping up and down the stairs till... To tell you the truth, I'm almost worn out. But when I saw a light in your room tonight, I roused my energies again and went at it with a deal of the old freshness. But I am tired out, entirely fagged out. Give me, I beseech you, give me some hope. I lit off my perch in a burst of excitement and exclaimed, Well, this transcends everything, everything that ever did occur. Why, you poor blundering old fossil, you have all your trouble for nothing. You have been haunting a plaster cast of yourself. The real Cardiff giant is in Albany. Confound it, don't you know your own remains? I never saw such an eloquent look of shame, of pitiable humiliation overspread a countenance before. The petrified man rose slowly to his feet and said, Honestly, is that true? As true as I'm sitting here. He took the pipe from his mouth and laid it on the mantel, then stood a resolute a moment, unconsciously from old habit thrusting his hands where his pantaloons' pockets would have been and meditatively dropping his chin on his breast, and finally said, Well... I never felt so absurd before. The petrified man has sold everybody else, and now the mean fraud has ended up selling its own ghost. My son, if there is any charity left in your heart for a poor, friendless phantom like me, don't let this get out. Think how you would feel if you had made such an ass of yourself. I heard his stately tramp die away, step by step, down the stairs and out into the deserted street and felt sorry that he was gone, poor fella. Sorrier still that he had carried off my red blanket in my bathtub. Footnote by Twain. A fact. 
The original fraud was ingeniously and fraudfully duplicated and exhibited in New York as the only genuine Cardiff giant, at the very same time that the latter was drawing crowds at a museum in Albany, to the unspeakable disgust of the owners of the real Colossus. But life is a haunted oratory when you're like us So sit tight, turn on the light Then curl up with some ghoulish history Something a little dark and dreary Serve with a heaping dose of eerie Raise those Moscow mules and clink them Whoopsies! Ghost Hi! I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm Michael Tatum. And this is Cool Intentions. It's Cool Intentions. And we're here for the first time in eight months. Eight months. I actually think. recording in the same in room. Socially distanced and being Socially, very safe. Yes. <laughs> we, Jamie and I, everyone in our lives have been incredibly scrupulous about following, um, you know, CDC guidelines. So it's we felt safer to getting together one last time before I move to LA. That's it. Which That's is the happening thing. tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so part of the deal is we watch the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. For the week. Because we had to get movers and stuff and pack and the dogs just aren't much help. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we decided to go ahead and do the last last show together that we could do together, I guess, for a while. Yeah, for a little while until yeah. special events. Because we're still, of course, we're still going to do the show as normal once I get to L.A. So that's not going to change, right. you guys. No, don't worry. we're still going to do the show. But this will be the last time Jamie and I do it in person together, yeah. except for special occasions. For, until know. Jamie moves out to L.A. one day, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, possibly, perhaps. I don't know. We'll keep uh, the light on for you, my dear. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> we'll keep the we'll light on We'll have a really swank-ass guest room, too, so you can come and stay whenever you want. Thank you. I appreciate mm. it. Hmm. Um, so yeah. So are you ready? No, fuck no. God, they're they're literally moving right now. They're yeah, moving I'm, I'm, I left Brandon and and uh Devin, our roommate, to like handle the movers because I can't I can't cope. Yeah. I have a deep seated like it's almost a phobia of having to like it's not people going through my stuff because it's not like I'm worried about them uncovering stuff they shouldn't. It's more like I feel really bad about having stuff. And so, like, having people go through it, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You have to pack those dishes. I feel so bad. This is how I know I, I'm not, like, descended from nobility. I, I right. can't I can't just treat people that I've hired to do something like, like. You can't just let them do it? No, I have to yeah. be like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Do like, you that's how help? I feel with, like, house, <laughs> house cleaners. <laughs> Somebody comes over to clean. I am the person that's like, well, let me straighten this thing up first. Or And they're like, let, let us do, do a fucking. And it's funny because, like, so Brandon and Devin are like, why don't you go and record the show and we'll worry about the movers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll take care of it. I have to, with cleaners, though, it's almost like I want them to get. It, they're not going to deep clean the way I want it deep clean. They're not going to, nobody ever meets my expectations. Mm. So let them do the clean for me so that then I have time to make sure that the baseboards are wiped down and that the vents from the air conditioning are cleaned <laughs> off and the tops of the, like, Are you cleaning in preparation for the cleaners? 
I don't That's do that. That's basically what I'm doing. I, I basically, I, I packed, because the movers we hired also pack, are also packing for us as well, we speak. Well, when you're moving And we were distance. packing for the packers. Yeah. <laughs> so when they showed up, we're like, oh, well, we could have done that. And I'm like, I I know, I just didn't want you to have to. I'm sorry. I have a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did the books? Yeah. But so you want to let them books. pack. If you're doing a long move like that, you usually, and mm-hmm. they're packing for you, you want to let them pack a lot of stuff. So if it breaks, they have insurance that covers it. This is true. Yeah. But the company's been really, really good so far. Um, They're not sponsoring this podcast in any way, but they are sponsoring my move. If they were were sponsoring it. I'm sponsoring. Yeah. We would say their name, (laughs) but they're not. So we won't. But um, just if any of you guys ever have to move, man, movers are worth it. Find a good mover. It's so, this this would have been so much more stressful without people to help us. Move Uh, for sure. mm Hmm. And of course, Jamie gets to take care of the dogs yeah. and they get to be part of the little pack again for the first time since this whole fucking pandemic thing started. They're, everything's back to normal. I know. Yeah. They love they, it. They, they love it. We're yeah. going to see how they do in the car for three days because it's a three day drive. Yeah. You've got drugs. Spend... They'll be fine. Yeah, we got drugs. Maybe you could take some. I don't some. have drugs. I wish you I had. You could take some. Just take a couple of theirs. Uh, do they work on humans? They're human. The, the... Are they human drugs? Yeah, they're uh, human drugs just in light <laughs> doses. I was under the impression that their systems were different than ours. So, like, Not when it comes to dog drugs. Dog medicines don't work on humans. No, but, that's I mean... why they're like, give, you know, uh, Benadryl. I think, do not hold me to this. Do your research. <laughs> I think for Benadryl, if a dog's having allergies, it's one milligram per pound. So for Dot, mm. she just gets 125 pounds. Uh, 25 see. milligram. I see. Benadryl. I know Benadryl then, works on dogs. And then she'll and get a little doses, sleepy but, yeah. and a little, you know. I huh. have one Benadryl, though, and I'm fucking done. Do you but, know, with, after, with with French Bulldogs specifically, we have to be careful with them because they, the most common anesthetic used on animals during surgeries will kill a, <gasps> a, a Frenchie. They're, they're deathly allergic to it. Like, it oh, will wow. kill them instantly. And so, like, we have to be, I mean, we, you know, we have to kind of interview our vet to make sure, like, you do know that about, about Frenchies, right? They're the only breed, as far as I know, that has that reaction to the most common anesthetic used. So, and of course, oh. we've had Genji's been under the knife a couple of times in yeah, his life, right. you know, to get, when he got snipped. And then... um you know, when he had his back Snapped. issues. Yeah. So, but they were really, but we had to like, that's why finding a good vet for us was such a big deal. And we haven't found one in LA yet. I know. I don't know what you're going to do. Well, we know some people that run a studio out there that have this lovely couple that run a studio out there that have they two have Frenchies. Frenchies. And we're like, right. we're going to ask them like, where are your Frenchies? Where are your Frenchies? Who, who's you your Frenchie get... caretakers? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. So it's kind of perfect weather right now for this we're recording early so that you can get out of town but you uh but happy halloween it's coming up yes in just a few days once this airs true um and of course then we are going to have our halloween event which will be a lot of fun as well um so it is windy and rainy and cold cold. just in time for my movers to show up (laughs) just in time for you to say i'm going over to jamie's <laughs> but like the the weather's perfect. Well, it was weird because yesterday, fucking Texas. Yesterday it was eighty something. Yeah, it was the high, and it didn't get. It maybe got down to sixty at night. You know, which is pretty typical for this time of year. But then suddenly I wake up and it's like raining and thundering and and then cold. cold I love it when a cold windy. front comes in. That so means we're sitting. A I guys want you to imagine that we're sitting in Jamie's upstairs studio, yeah. and the window behind us has like this really cool like. These shadows from the branches swaying in the in the mm-hmm. the wind outside, which is pretty violent right now. It looks great and spooky, and it's kind of awesome because nice. we keep the lights really low in here for mood. Mood, and also I would have to get up again and go do that. I'm not turning on the light. From here. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <And> I- <laughs> We're also surrounded by like stuff to help with sound. It's not going to be as good as it normally is, but basically, there's but a lot of stuff again. we have to do to make sure everything works just fine. There are a lot of, shall we say, superstitions. 
we have to observe in Fucking order to record correctly. Look at that. Look at that. Bringing it home. I didn't even know I was going to do that, Jamie. It's just instinct. That was really good. <laughs> so, what is. So, first of all, if you're wondering who could have possibly read that opening <sighs> who story, who indeed? Who has that lovely Southern drawl that uh, we can't uh, get uh. enough of? That would be my fiance, Jack Bishop, the one Fuck and only. Yeah. He read that for us. Now, Mark Twain is his favorite spirit author. animal. Yeah, like, like they're. <laughs> It's it's very we're strange. pretty sure Jack is just his reincarnation. It's it's highly likely yeah. based upon the connection there, but um, but we had decided a while ago that Jack was going to read the story, and it just kind of worked out that this was the best week to have it done. And it talks about superstitions, and it just so happens that that is our theme for the day, which I think is really funny. But one of the best parts about this story is the joke about the Cardiff Giant. Do yes. you want to? <laughs> oh, I love the Cardiff Giant thing. It's really funny. So um, a whole history about the Cardiff Giant, for those of you that don't know, um, what's the thing they do on The Daily Show? If you don't know, now you know. Yeah. Um, so a little history. The Cardiff Giant was one of the most infamous hoaxes in American history. And that's saying something for a country as, you know, yeah. full of humbug as this can be. And yeah. so young, too. Mm. Um, but it was basically a 10-foot tall petrified man or well three meters for those uh, for our friends overseas or up north um <laughs> and for our friends everywhere else in the world <laughs> it was a 10 foot or three meter tall purported petrified man supposedly uncovered on october 16th 1869 by workers digging a well behind the barn of william c stubb newell in cardiff new york um hence the name cardiff giant now yep. um both it and an unauthorized copy made by none other than P.T. Barnum himself, the King of Humbug, are still being displayed today, over a hundred and blah, 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 blah years later. Yeah, a hundred and a um, half years later. <laughs> <laughs> now, the giant was the creation of a New York tobacconist named George Hull. Hull was an atheist, and uh, apparently he had gotten into an argument at a Methodist revival meeting, one of those tent meetings that were so popular back then. Well, hell, they're mm -hmm. still popular down here in the South. And uh, discussing a passage from Genesis, specifically Genesis 6-4, uh, which, you know, has it that there were giants who once roamed the earth in advance of, of you know, of, I guess, everything else. And so Hull decided to be a fucking lark to hire <laughs> men. And it was. Like, I, I kind of with him. I'm with him on this. Hull hired men to quarry out a 10 foot um like over 10 foot block of um gypsum in fort dodge i have no idea what gypsum, gypsum. is um it sounds uh, really heavy <laughs> <laughs> in uh, fort it was from a quarry in fort dodge fort dodge iowa and he was telling them it was on the pretense of saying it was for a monument he was going to make in honor of Abraham Lincoln, which I think is hilarious. Right. Because, um, I mean, Abraham Lincoln was a giant, <laughs> <laughs> both literally and, you know, historically. Right. But he so he shipped up this block of gypsum of gypsum back to Chicago, and he hired um, a stonecutter, German stonecutter named Edward Burkhart, uh, to carve it in the likeness of this dude of this giant. And of course, he swore the guy to secrecy, which I guess didn't work out so well because <laughs> <laughs> we're telling the story now. Um, but various stains and acids and processes were kind of used to make the 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 body of the giant quote unquote look weathered and old, a little mummified perhaps. And uh, the surface was even beaten with steel knitting needles um, to look like pores. So they were going all out. I love out that, yeah. To, he was really the making details. it, yeah. And um, 
In November of 1868, Hull transported the giant by railroad uh, under secrecy to the farm of his cousin, William Newell. By then, he had spent over $2,600, which is equivalent to almost 50000 today. <laughs> that's, ridiculous. That's a lot. I would love to have that this kind of money to just be like, yeah, it would be really fun just to have a giant in the ground. I just, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So if you ever feel bad about buying that lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> know that you are not a new phenomenon. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, by then, that's how much money he had spent for this hoax. Now, nearly a year later, Newell hired Gideon Emmons and Henry Nichols. God, what great names. Gideon Emmons and Henry Nichols, ostensibly to dig a well on the property. And on October 16th, 1869, they found the giant. Oh, dear, look, it's a oh, giant. I what a totally surprise. didn't expect that. One of the men reportedly exclaimed, I declare some old Indian has been buried here. <laughs> Whenever I wonder I if see, they wrote that out ahead of time when he was reading it. He's like, I declare. I declare. I declare, I declare some old. I declare. I declare <laughs> some old. I, yeah, they're just, he's like, damn it, I'm not good in front of the cameras <laughs> or in front of the <laughs> pad and paper. Uh <laughs> It was yeah, pretty, like who was there? Right. Um, it was pretty quickly declared a fake, of course, but that didn't stop people from paying 25 cents a pop or $1,000 by today's money. <laughs> I think it's like, <laughs> I think it's before. 25 cents is probably like 20 around, bucks. No, I think it's around $5. $5? Yeah, I think when I was looking it up, it was like between 4 and $5. Oh, that's okay. That's yeah. still a pretty good deal that's, to see a yeah. giant penis. But um, I mean, if you have hundreds of people going to look at it. I mean, it's it's a good yeah. return on your investment, I guess. Yeah. And like we discussed, you know they're just there going like, I don't care if it's fake. I want to see how well this artist rendered a penis. Right. Like, would you buy someone a Starbucks to look at a big fake giant? <laughs> That's, they would. Yeah. I would buy them several. I mean, I would buy like the most expensive thing in the Starbucks menu. Um <laughs> Just to look at a giant penis. Uh, <laughs> let's go look at Dr. Manhattan. So, um... <laughs> the giant drew such crowds that P.T. Barnum offered $50,000 for the giant. That's by today's money, uh, yeah. I think, yeah. And when the syndicate that Newell had sold his interest to in the hoax refused to sell it to Barnum, Barnum decided, well, fuck you. And he hired a man to model the giant shape covertly in wax and create a plaster replica. He displayed his giant in New York, claiming that his was the real giant, and the Cardiff giant was a fake. <laughs> what a fucking, like, God, how good. Just telling so you. So they were both fakes. They are both fakes, but one of them, like, was like, that one's more fake. Yeah. Which is what I love about, I love about the story. It's like, oh, no, you're at the fake one. You got to go to the real one. Um, I think that's hilarious. So, so in other words, yeah. you know, the anxiety we feel over fake news now and the very prospect has been with us for a very long time. Right. Now, like, for those Team Jack followers, <laughs> you now know what he sounds like, mm -hmm. so you can love it just like but I Doesn't do. he just have the best goddamn voice? I he mean, does. I could just listen to him. One day, I want I want to hear him read my biography. Okay, he'll do it. Uh, so our title is from one of my favorite songs in the whole wide mm -hmm. world, Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Yeah. And so I have the lyrics here if we want to hear them. Oh They're God, not, yes. it's not a lot. Very superstitious <laughs> writings on the wall. Very, Very superstitious, superstitious ladders about to fall. 13 month old baby. That's all we can sing. Broke the looking glass. Seven years of bad luck. Good, good things in your past. When you believe in things that you don't understand, then you suffer. Superstition ain't the way. And then it goes through the same thing again. <laughs> so, to see everybody scream and it makes me think of everybody scream in this town of hot. No, different song. <laughs> different. different. Um, that's all you can sing. That's all you can sing. Um, you get like three seconds and that's it. 
So today, to finish up, I guess, our Halloween, our month of October uh, themed episodes, today we are talking, of course, about superstitions, Mm -hmm. but we have... Mm. 50 of them we're going to go over. But before we get into those, Michael, you have, because I get to read all the superstitions. You do, and get to I surprise me, because a lot of them I don't, yeah. I'm sure I don't know, but yeah. I wanted to kind of talk about sort of the root of the word and the kind yes. of psychological the foundation Michael's for like, you know, the, the school of thought regarding superstitions, <laughs> as it were. Um, but before I do that, do you have any superstitions that are like unique to you? I think everyone has their own little thing. Like for me, for example, and I don't know where it comes from, but I would feel like if I were in a room, uh, I don't do this that much anymore, but every now and again, the, the mood will take me. And, it, and it's kind of, it's helps, it helps to relieve stress, It help, which I'll get into a little bit about. That's why superstitions play such a prominent role in life, because they do seem to serve a psychological function, whether or not they're true. Um, but for me, I needed to like, I needed things to be in threes. So mm. if I'm like looking at a picture or in a room or something, I need to like find things I can kind of separate out into three. And if they are, if the end of the day, and I don't do this like Rain Man, I'm not like sitting there going like 82, 82, like I'm not, it takes, right. it takes me a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but let's say, uh, the last time I did it was when I was getting my my root canal a couple of years ago. Oh. And so um, I didn't go under, I just was on the, the happy yeah. gas or whatever, but I was counting the I wasn't even on the happy gas, come to think of it. And I was counting the tiles above me in, in the dentist's chair, in the dentist's right. office. And um, and I kept like going over to make sure there were, that the number of tiles was divisible by three. And <laughs> and for some reason, that's a thing. Like if I if I'm le- if there's one remainder mm-hmm. or one less or something, I'm like, everything is wrong. And I have to keep and I have to find something else to count until I can get to you a have, divisible number it. by three. I which gotcha. is really strange. It sounds a little a little crazy, perhaps, but it, it helps me. Do you have anything like that? I think there's a lot that I automatically do just because of growing up mm. in, in, with with certain superstitions. Um, there's ones that I actively have to not do, which we'll we'll get into some of those. So I don't want to. Um, well, we can talk about like the throwing salt over. There was one day in my kitchen that we couldn't remember which shoulder we were supposed to throw it over. <laughs> but if you spill salt, you, you sp- you're supposed to throw it over your shoulder. I'll get into the why and I'll, and the right way, which I can't wait to tell you. But we had salt all over the floor because we were like, is it right? Is it left? I don't know. Let's just do both. We'll do across the body. It was ridiculous. And so, like- you know, there's little stuff like that, that it's like, might as well, might as well. But I think... The biggest one that comes to mind um, is I try not to say the name of the Scottish play. And it's not necessarily because I believe that. I don't want to upset anybody else who (laughs) does. You don't want to just piss off actors. Right. Same thing with uh, saying good luck instead of break a leg. Right. To an actor when it's something it has to do with performance. Yeah. With with voice actors, I'll have a tendency to tell them to break a vocal cord, uh, which is fun (laughs) for me to say. But but yeah, the Scottish play, I won't say. And the one time I did say it, because there's different beliefs, right? So Mm -hmm. the the Scottish play, it's just Shakespeare play. If you don't know, the Shakespeare play, that is the Scottish play. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, like McDonald's, but it's but not, not a happy meal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and, and I don't want to say it right now either because I don't know if anybody's listening that might be working in a theater. So right, the way right, I right, learned right. it is you ha- if you you had to be working on it in a theater. Like you had to be, or in a theater saying it, yeah, or you had to be working yeah. on it and you couldn't talk about it. And if you do, it's bad luck for the show. I don't believe in it. Never believed in it. Uh, someone was asking me about different shows and I mentioned it while we were uh, rehearsing 
Um, I think we were doing like a dress rehearsal for Noises Off. Oh God, I fucking love that play. It was so much fun. Oh my God, it was it's, it's one, one of my, my highlights. So. I was in I was in the, uh, I did a yeah, production right, of it as yeah. well years ago. Years so, ago, so much fun. So, um, <laughs> and the movie still holds up. It's super mm-hmm. super entertaining. Mm-hmm. But um, somebody asked me something, and I was like, Oh yeah, because such and such was in, and I said the name of the play, and their eyes got big. And they were like, did you just curse us? And I was like, no, it's bullshit. Now, if you say it around <laughs> other people that are superstitious, they'll make you go outside and spin around three times oh, and yeah. spit hot and do potato, a bunch of- Oh, yeah, potato, one, two, yeah, three, this whole ritual, yeah. And, and there are different rituals depending upon who you talk to. So <laughs> I just yep. don't want to be fucking held responsible for a ritual. Well, that person didn't have a ritual. And that night, our Brooke fell down the stairs- <gasps> And literally oh. tore the skin off the top of her foot. Like oh, all of it was, ow. it was disgusting. It was all pushed oh. back and she had to go to the hospital and get like 15 stitches oh in her foot God, and she no. couldn't do the show. Yeah. And, and so s- somebody else. And then I was like, okay, I still don't believe it. <laughs> Toil and trouble indeed. Right. But I can't fucking, I can't fucking <laughs> say it. So that's my big one is I'd like, ooh. Yeah. I was, for some reason, it's making me think of, I don't know whether it's one of the Zucker brother comedies from the eighties, like naked gun or airplane, but there's someone like, like talking about like, Oh, might as well. And he throws salt over his shoulder in a restaurant and it gets, goes into a waiter's eye who then trips and falls <laughs> over and breaks a mirror. And like, it's really yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, uh, well, that's funny. So I, okay. Okay. So, yeah. the, and I, I, I'm with you there on that one too. It also makes me think of when we were auditioning for the Romeo and Juliet anime mm-hmm. and the bad guy's name was Montague and um, uh, from Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And <laughs> the Texas actor, very Texas actor, who had, I guess, had never done Shakespeare, had certainly never done it aloud in any context. So, and this guy who, who you know, I won't say their names, wonderful person, <laughs> came into audition. And he's like, yeah, I'll be reading for uh, Montague. <laughs> which is the name of a county here in Texas. I think I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. He was yeah. like, I'll be reading from Montague and I had to be very, very diplomatic and be like, oh, uh, just for your reference, in, in, we're going to go with the pronunciation Montague, just just on a lark. It's the Japanese approved term. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so let's talk about the origin of superstitions or the okay. idea rather and kind of the, 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 big, the big picture. Yes, so the word is Latin in origin. It's superstar or superstare, um, depending on how you pronounce it. I don't. It's a dead language. So I like superstar. Superstar just sounds like <laughs> what I do when, when I'm waiting for someone to do shit. I'm just gonna stare at them. This is what I would be doing to the movers all day if I were right, back home right good. now. Then they would get superstitious. <laughs> <laughs> Very. And I mean, the writing's on the wall. Anyway, so so while the formation of the Latin word is clear, um, uh, it's a verb. It means to stand over, to stand upon, or oddly, to survive. And we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, Superstar. It's like a superstar, but it's superstar. (laughs) Superstar. It's origin. It's the original intended sense of the word is less clear. Um, It can be interpreted, and often is, as standing over a thing in amazement or awe. But other possibilities have been suggested, including uh, a sense of excess. um, For example, being over scrupulous or over over ceremonial in the performing of certain religious rites, or else the survival of old, uh, specifically irrational religious. Habits. Uh, now, a lot of people believe that superstitions influence events by changing the likelihood of the possible outcomes rather than being able to create new outcomes that weren't already on the table. And right. That's an important distinction because that brings us more into kind of like when you're talking about 
bringing things into being that aren't already a possibility. That's more ma- like magical That's practice, magic, specifically yeah. the left-hand path. Yeah. Uh, but superstition is more like, eh, this is just going to help. This is going to improve my odds. Yeah, like it, it directs it. Yes, exactly. But it doesn't create new ends. It just makes one makes certain ends more likely or is believed to. Now, in sporting events, for example, where this is still very much alive, a lucky ritual or an object is thought to increase the chance that an athlete will perform at their best rather than creating a new better best in the sport, (laughs) uh, which would be very complicated. Consequently, people whose goal is to perform well are more likely to rely on supernatural assistance, quote unquote, um, lucky items and rituals than are people whose goal is to simply improve their skills and ability uh, and to learn in the same context. Now, there's a psychologist by the name of Stuart Weiss, uh, uh, V-Y-S-E is how you spell his name, and he's kind of an expert on, on the psychology of superstitions. And he's pointed out that until about 2010, most researchers assumed that superstitions were irrational and focused their attentions on discovering why people were superstitious. Now, Weiss went on to describe studies that looked at the relationship between performance and superstitious rituals. Preliminary work has indicated that such rituals can, in fact, reduce stress and thereby improve performance, but Vice says, quote, not because they are superstitious, but because they are just rituals. So there's no real magic, but there is a bit of a calming effect in performing a ritualistic sequence before attempting a high-pressure activity, so any old ritual will do. Mm. I mean, it sounds to me like he's just parsing, (laughs) hair splitting. It doesn't work. It works, but it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> like, it works, but not for the reasons you think right. it does. It works, yeah. but not because you want it to. Yeah, fuck because you. of why fuck you, you want it to. <laughs> yeah. How does he know? I- Potato, tomato. Um, (laughs) People tend to attribute events to supernatural causes uh, in psychological jargon. This is uh, called external causes, um, most often under two circumstances. The first is people are more likely to attribute an event to a superstitious cause if it is unlikely um, that that event would have happened on its own. In other words, the more surprising the event, the more likely it is to evoke a supernatural explanation. This is believed to stem from um, an effective motivation, a basic desire to exert control over one's environment. When no natural cause can explain a situation, attributing an event to a superstitious cause may give people some sense of control and ability to predict what will happen in their environment. I don't entirely agree with that myself. I, I, I think in most cases, yes. But I think for the most part, I don't know that going like, I can't explain that. Yeah. Do you have a phone? Do you have a phone call, Michael? I have a phone call. Hello. <laughs> no <I'm> kidding. <laughs> Unknown caller. <laughs> Unknown. Now, see if I'd not if we'd not been doing this episode, that wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. So it's only because we're doing. It must the be paranormal. <laughs> 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 At least it's not my dad calling me to tell me. He's but going I guess to I mean I get what they're saying though because it's kind of like the girl that fell down the stairs. Mm-hmm, now the mm-hmm. reason that she fell, it was down a couple of stairs, and it's because there was no glow tape on the last two steps. And so she was looking, she thought she was on the floor and she wasn't and Mm. went over because it was dark. And so if you don't know what glow tape is, it goes on the steps so you can see it in the dark. How actors can find their mark in (laughs) low light. And so uh, that's what caused her to fall. But those who knew that I had said the Scottish play backstage attribute the whole thing. She would have seen, I guess, the steps had I not said it or the tape would have been there had I not said it. But because I said it, it yeah. didn't have time. Something and I guess, happened, and, and it I... makes sense because, like, the tape should have been there. There's, there's no, you know, obvious yeah. reason why it just ha- it happened to be on that night that the tape wasn't there. So I don't know. It was know. the first time the set was fully together. Interesting. Well, and, yeah, that's yeah. Fair so enough. I mean, it fair was enough. 
but I but I guess it's I, I think the the explanation psychology that this guy is driving at is that it kind of gives us a sense of control over the environment. I don't know how much control I feel I have after the fact of something happening. Right. You know, it's like, well, I'll know not to I'll know to look at the tape next time. Well, there's not going to be a next time. You well, know, but if you um, if you say like if I had if I had said it and then been like, oh, crap, something's going to happen. Let me go outside and do the spinny thing and the spit yeah. and the thing. Then I'll have yeah. control over it. And so now nothing bad's going to happen. Or I'm, if it is, it does happen. It's not because of me. I'm curious if you had gone outside to do the to the whatever prescribed you know antidote to the ritual. I wonder. I I mean because I all this points to whether it's psychological or not. It, you know, uh, entire whether it's entirely in our minds or not. I just think it's. It's kind of splitting hairs to say, well, it doesn't really work. But if the human mind is that susceptible to things to where right. you can unconsciously cause things to happen, like tripping over and missing your mark or whatever, then, you know. I believe that bitch was going to fall regardless. <laughs> and also the only people who knew about that I had said mm -hmm. it was that guy and me. That was it. We hadn't talked to anybody well, else about it. And and you are probably right, but. Uh, but I, I do I like the idea remiss. that I'm that Fucking powerful. I would, I would be remiss <laughs> if I did not point out that your interpretation and hers are light, are both beliefs. Yeah, that's true. And that, that are just impossible to confirm or deny one way or the other. So it depends on which prevailing context we're in of which one of you gets taken seriously. If this yeah. had been 120 years ago, or excuse me, um, you know, 200, 300 years ago, you would be the weird one out. They're like, there's no, there's nothing to this. It's right. all. If chance, I had been in know? a different theater, I would have been the weird one out. <laughs> Now, been. the second... Um, there are probably people listening that are like, it was your fault, bitch. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm inclined to think it's complicated. You know it's, what? it's probably you know a little what? bit your fault. For those people that are saying it is my fault, <laughs> let me just say this. We had to replace her, and that actor was better, so it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, also... <laughs> <laughs> so the second, the second type of circumstance that superstitions usually come into play are, um, it says that people are more likely to attribute an event to a superstitious cause if um, if it's negative rather than positive. Right. So this is called the negative agency bias. Now, Boston Red Sox fans, for example, which everyone is familiar with, I'm sure, even me who doesn't know baseball, they've attributed the failure, a failure of their team to win the World Series for 86 years to the curse of the Bambino. A uh, curse supposedly placed on the team for trading Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees uh, so that the team owner could fund a Broadway musical way back in the day. Uh, when the Red Sox finally did win the World Series in 2004, however, the team's success was attributed to their skill and the rebuilding efforts of the new owner and general manager, not to just like, oh, we got lucky, we did a ritual. So it's interesting. So basically what this guy is saying is like when something goes wrong, it's a black cat crossed my path or right. I said the Scottish play's real name or yeah. something or I forgot to fucking you know, throw the salt over my shoulder. But if something goes right, I did that. Right. You know? right. <laughs> now, so more commonly, people are likely more likely to perceive their computer to act according to its own intentions when it malfunctions <laughs> than when it functions properly. Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, and I believe that, I think machines are evil and want to kill us all and they only work right when they're asleep. Um, <laughs> and they're just not conscious, like machines can Don't and will always him. fuck with us. My laptop's right here. Yeah. It can yeah. hear you. <laughs> and so it's like, they're just like, I'm so sorry. Wendy, this is not a call for you. See, 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 it's all Wendy. When things work, it's us. When they don't, <laughs> 
it's windy. Right. <laughs> Everyone exactly. knows it's windy. See, isn't that fun, though, that I'm like, no, I don't believe a Scottish play, but also let me talk to my computer and comment down I so think, it doesn't get I angry at you. I <laughs> think even the most rational human being uh, <laughs> abides by some some secret superstition that right. either the so on, it's so such a force of habit they don't think of it as superstitious um, because it's not exotic to them, or, or they just kind of like, yeah, I can never tell people about that, but... Um, so yeah, that that is that is sort of that gives us a kind of broad context of the role superstitions play in human psychology, and mm-hmm. and I, I for the most part I agree with it. I, I think it's a little simplified, right? Um, but that, that is psychology's job is to give us kind of a broad brush stroke <laughs> mm-hmm. view, but and then um, a pill to take to fix it, <laughs> <laughs> or to just talk it out. Yeah, no, that's therapists, psych- psychiatrists. They want to give you a pill. Oh, that well, psychiatrists talk to you too, don't they? Don't they, they do, but the difference they is they talk to you and then give you a pill. Yeah, it's they, the best of both. And it's worlds. usually <laughs> it's usually only like half an hour oh, with yeah, a psychiatrist, shorter. and then with a therapist, which is you know, I recommend both if you need them. Mm-hmm. Get both because then you um, get an hour and a half and a pill. Yeah, no, they can't. The therapists <laughs> don't get prescribed. But they'll talk to you for an hour. Yeah, usually. and then but then you go from them to the psychiatrist, oh, the... and then you get a full hour and a half. So you get like right. three times the session and a pill. That's true. That's true. You're right. <laughs> you got to play the system. You're right. You're right. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying. Yes, no. actually, I have. I have played. That's how All you right. start. You start with the pills, and hopefully, it can work your way off. But if you can't, that's fine too. The pills can just make you susceptible to what the therapist is telling you. That's yeah. all. Man, if only they break there was down a my pill. resistances. If only was a pill for everything that was wrong with me right now. There was right? a pill for everything that's wrong with everything right now. I, I, take know. It. I know. In the meantime, while 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 we wait for a very specific pill to get the world back to normal. Right. Ugh. 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 Vote. Oh, um, God, please vote. Um, and okay, so now you're so I like this game. You're gonna like. You're yes, gonna, you're I'm gonna, gonna talk g- about all these mm-hmm. superstitions and then. Yeah, and you can tell me if they're if you follow them or not. Okay. So, because so this is fifty, so it's a lot. Oh goodness. Uh, okay, the sources here are Wikipedia, of course, Match, <laughs> uh, an article on Google Arts and Culture, an article by Stephen Mays on U.S. News, and an article by Samantha Brodsky and Adam Schubach on Good Housekeeping. <laughs> I love that. I know. I of was course, of delighted course. about that. So, okay. Let me find Esoteric, hence from Heloise. So let's start with some superstitions that we know. Yeah. We're going to talk about where a lot of these superstitions most likely originated, but that doesn't mean they're only believed to be in that area. Superstitions like STDs have a tendency to spread. So and many of them are still with us. That's right. (laughs) They'll take down an entire culture if you're not character. Careful. Character if you're not character. I don't know what that means. I don't even know why that came out of my mouth. It's a surprise. Uh, life is a surprise. Okay. Number one, I do this. Is it knocking on wood? Knocking on wood. I, I had a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do it too. So this is one of the most well-known and universal superstitions. To knock on wood. It's an Indo-European, <laughs> Celtic, possibly British origins. Um but the actual origins and even meanings of the phrase are as varied as the cultures with which mm. use it, with some suggesting roots in the Indo-European or Celtic belief that spirits, good and bad, resided in trees who could be either called upon for protection or chased away by knocking on their home, and others, particularly Christians, linking the practice to the magical power of the wooden crucifix. Mm. Most likely among the theory, the theories, historians have attributed the superstition to a 19th century century 
British children's game called Tiggy Touch Wood. <laughs> it's so dirty. Um, <laughs> I know. Tiggy. You have to give me a minute. Sorry. Tiggy Touch Wood. Tiggy Touch Wood. Yes. Tiggy Touch Wood. Sounds In, like someone's weird uncle. Uh, it probably started off that way. <laughs> Tiggy Touch Wood um, and, his, and, his, and his basement trains. Hmm. Oh. So young players <laughs> claimed immunity from being tagged by touching the nearest piece of wood. It was like base. Yeah. Like, I'm on yeah, base. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't. Yeah. Rules are rules. You know? Yeah. Adults picked up on the habit and the phrase, the British would uh, still will say touch wood instead of knock on wood. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. And then the rest is history. As with many superstitions, there are subtle variations and sometimes not so subtle varying origins. Italians touch steel rather than wood, mm. perhaps more related to iron horseshoes. Yeah. Poles and Russians touch unpainted wood. That's very specific. Hmm. Uh, Turks knock twice. Latin Americans knock on wood with no legs, like chairs. And of oh. course, this isn't every, this is just in general. Okay. It's not everybody who lives in Latin American countries knock on wood with no legs. Like, it's just generalized. So, like you can't thing. knock on a chair or a table because it's got legs. Right. Work. Anything with it. Okay. Yeah, it has to be so like a tree. Like, that leaves like a door, a tree, a pole. A wooden pillow, perhaps. A wooden pillow. I would need one. That doesn't sound um, like a pillow. That just sounds like a... I knock on my head. <laughs> I do. That's too. what I do. I knock on my forehead. Um which to me works just fine. It works well. <laughs> well, you haven't you, you haven't shaved uh, the skin off of your foot, so That's it seems true. to be working. Yeah, god damn it. Um <laughs> knock on wood. Uh knock on wood. So this is part of it is it's, it goes along with tempting fate. Mm. For example, in Cuba, if you declare that it is el último or your last drink, then your tempting fate and death will sh- shortly follow. So if you say this is going to be my last drink, that's bad luck. Because you that means like your last. Because death is drink. nearby going, oh, you're ready, cool. Oh, okay. I didn't realize you were ready to go, but let's do it. Uh, so you um, caught me on a good day, so here we go. Like yeah. That, yeah. To avoid tempting fate is a common superstition among the public. For instance, one might refrain from saying, I never had cancer. And if they did, they'd likely knock on wood. Like that happens a lot when people talk about breaking bones. And if they uh, ask yeah. me, I will say, I've been very fortunate. I've never broken a bone, knock on wood, and mm-hmm. then I knock my, on my head when I say it. So, I mean, I've, <laughs> I can't, I need the to stop. Would be if you crack your skull by doing that. I know, I was just thinking I've got to stop knocking on my head when I say that because I mean, just don't knock I'm on it. Like, it's, you, you know, the, the little taps are fine, but if you start like saying knock on wood and you start like beating your head into the wall, right, that's, that's too much. That's a problem. That's another problem. We'll go yeah. back to the therapist, psychiatrist <laughs> situation. But no, I've knocked on my head multiple times. In this, and it's the same spot, and I'm starting to be present. <laughs> it's your lucky spot. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm present to my lucky spot right now. Um, I had this yoga teacher. I hate, fucking hate yoga, but That's I had this. The worst. Ugh, I hate it. Um, just stand there with your butt in air and think. No, don't stop it. Breathe, breathe through your butt. Stop telling people to do that. How am I going to get through this and not laugh? And and also be miserable. Like what's happening? So anyway, I had this really great. Uh, yoga teacher who would tell me uh, if we were like, oh, ow, she'd be like, what I'm hearing is that you're present to the stretch. And she was doing it to be snarky. Like, she, it wasn't like she was really in that. She was like, there you mm, go, feel are you pain. present to it? Are you present to it? And so now I'm constantly like, 
I'm present to this knot on my forehead right now <laughs> from knocking on my forehead. Uh, so the second one is the one that we talked about too. Throw, throwing salt over your shoulder. I do that. I do that. I do, yeah. I do that. I mean, you I try definitely not do to that spill morning. salt in the first place, but when I do, I... I, I generally, I'm when I do it, doing it I think of you and your mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if I spill salt, I'll be like, whatever. And then I'm like, oh, this is for Michael and his mom. Like, I think of you and then be like, he'd be mad. So I throw it. There's yeah. several superstitions I take part of because my friends do. Now, to be fair, my mom would not throw the salt over her sh- uh, shoulder. She would just put it on the tortilla chip. My mother yeah. is the only human being I've ever uh, sat to dinner with who will individ- salt individual <gasps> tortilla chips. My grandpa, my, my, not my grandpa, my dad did that. That's so, funny because my mom, so if my mom, my mom would just put the salt on the chip if it, she wouldn't right, throw it over her shoulder. Yeah. So my dad, <laughs> since we're going off topic, so we'll come back. <laughs> my dad, it was the weirdest thing and it cracked me up. Um, he would butter a tortilla chip. <laughs> butter it. Salt it and pepper it and then eat it. No salsa. He would, he didn't like salsa. I'm gonna try. Yeah, my mom's not big on the salsa either. She but if like it's spicy. warm, then the butter gets all warm with it. And and I say butter on a tortilla. I do that all the yeah. time. But I've never thought about putting it on a tortilla. He buttered chip. his tortilla chips. Uh, he buttered a lot <laughs> of things. It's difficult because tortilla chips are so inconsistent in shape and texture. But oh, he would do it. He would make it work. That, I love it. I mean, he's just had that engineering brain, so he's like, That's "We're gonna true. make this work he regardless." He did, but he also had a heart attack, guys. So don't put butter. <laughs> oh, <on your, laughs> I mean, it's true. So he would want you to the know butter that. Over your shoulder. Um, okay, I lost. Okay, that's one, two. Where did we? Okay, here we go. I lost my place. Okay. Um, so perhaps the next most common superstition, at least in the West, involves tossing salt over one's shoulder. Like knocking on wood, this superstition also involves the idea of warding off evil. In this case, the devil himself. The devil. In Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper, mm. Jesus' betrayer, Judas Iscariot, is portrayed as having accidentally spilled salt. I didn't realize that in the picture. I've never I, looked that hard. I didn't know either. I've I was always, like, look at all those. I've no, seen that picture a thousand times. And I I've always never just noticed. look at that picture and cast all my friends in it. I'm yeah. like, who's that? Who's that? Who who's that? Who's that? Who I don't want to be Jesus. It's too high pressure. Um, but I'll be, I don't know. Can I be the guy off to the side that's like, <gasps> yeah, I, I want right, to be the pearl clutcher. I want to be, I don't know who I want to be. I'd have to look at it again. <laughs> uh, so he spills the salt there. Since Judas was associated with doing something bad, the argument goes that ipso facto, so was the salt, and throwing it over your shoulder would blind the devil waiting there. <laughs> In other versions of the superstition, it's the same thing. Old Scratch was thought to reside just over your left uh, shoulder yeah, yeah, ready yeah. to tempt you the salt was thrown to the left uh, yeah and okay. i guess you got to imagine you're he's facing you so it's your left shoulder well when you think about it it's easier to throw if you're right-handed it's easier yeah. to throw over your left shoulder than it is to throw over your right because it's kind of awkward to do it right. that way so i guess that that's just kind of an i feel like that's probably just the commonest way to do it and so they kind of retrofit an explanation over that practice well the, the but the le- the right hand of god and the left hand of god have been you know biblical for yeah them, and I, and i think so that's for the, i think that's for the same reasons because most people are right handed so yeah. it's it's the correct hand right well and yeah. that, we're not done with right and left here either um so we'll hit on some more right handed left handed uh, stuff in a bit fun um, so it's the left side. Still, others say that the sheer value of salt alone, and I have heard this one before. Mm-hmm. Um, in ancient times, if salt was extremely expensive, and that led to yep. the belief that to spill it was to incur bad fortune, like among Romans, requiring a corresponding ritual or act of penance to prevent 
worse loss from occurring. Do you know why salt in particular was so expensive? It was fairly rare. I mean, because it only came from like coastal regions, as I understand it, and a few like inward inland mines. But um, it wasn't just that it made food flavorful. There was no way of keeping meat from spoiling for travel. And so you'd have to salt it, salt the shit out of it to keep, to make it last longer. And so it was a huge, it was, (laughs) (laughs) so salt was uh, the only way it, it, it was essential because without it, like so much meat would go to waste. And especially back in the day before mass production was even a twinkle in culture's eye, like salt was the, kept people from starving. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Next walking under a ladder. I won't do it. I don't do it either. either. Mostly because it's hard to do when you're as tall as I am. Right. But I also think, no, I don't want to do that. I just don't want to do it on the off chance that it's the wrong thing. I trip over nothing. So it's also a safety (laughs) thing for me. But the superstition of not wanting to walk under a ladder also has roots in Christian symbolism. The Holy Trinity, or Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, led to an association of the number three with something sacred. Mm. The triangle with its three sides came to be regarded as sacred as well. And a ladder, of course, forms forms a triangle. triangle So naturally to walk under that ladder would be to destroy the sanctity of the Trinity. You just gonna walk into my triangle? Yeah, and then (laughs) you will be punished for destroying the sanctity, right? The ladder's resemblance to a gallows also didn't help matters, (laughs) nor did the fact of the obvious danger of something falling from it. Or yeah. if somebody needs that ladder and you hit it or move it or whatever. Uh, finally, the Egyptians apparently thought that one might accidentally spot a god going up or down the ladder. So you should probably avoid it. Why? <laughs> the, the god, just in case Horus is doing some house painting that you day, know. you don't want to. He's like, well, here's a great way to get down. I'm going <laughs> I'm to head down for a little bit. Why is that person looking at me? Wrath. <laughs> <laughs> Gods were so sensitive. No, they're all like Mariah Carey. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> Where are my green M and M's? Okay, so next, <clears throat> broken mirror. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, remember that big mirror I had that broke about big, six. Yeah. Well, no, I guess four years ago. Four years ago. Hoping two years from now we'll finally be Everything. out from under the bad it's luck. It's seven years. I know. Seven years bad luck if you break a mirror. That's yeah. that's the so I've got superstition. Three more years to go. I used to feel that way when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I broke mirrors a few times, and I was <laughs> devastated because I was like, "How do you get under? It's just like you're done. I'm just that's accumulated. It. Great. I've got like 80 years of bad luck now for the yeah. mirrors I broke. The belief that a broken mirror brings bad luck most likely has its origin origins in the simple fact that reflections of ourselves are uncanny and often unnerving. Mm. So humans have had uh, long had bad associations with them. Take, for example, the Greek myth of Narcissus, mm. or the idea that a crack in a mirror would somehow break its charm, or ding. Ding. <laughs> yes, I've been waiting for uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is great. Yeah. This episode has everything, it's Jamie. got everything. <laughs> um, or the idea that a crack in a mirror would somehow break its charm or trap one's soul. It was the ancient Romans, however, who contributed the notion of a broken mirror bringing seven years specifically of bad luck since it was believed that only poor health would cause a mirror to crack. And the number seven was seen by Romans as the number of years required to complete a full life cycle of sickness and renewal. As a result, a broken mirror meant you were headed toward a death spiral that might take you seven years to pull out of. But then those same Romans felt you could prevent that horrible outcome by gathering the broken pieces of the mirror and burying them by moonlight. There's a 
fucking ritual response. I never fucking shit. Well, I did give that broken mirror to a friend of mine who lives out in the country because he liked the look. And I was like, is that the same as burying it in the moonlight? I feel like if not, you could get representative <laughs> I, glass. Well, it sounds to me. And it bury that. To me, no, because then you have to break that. And then that's no, just No, you have to find already like, broken glass. I just, I don't know. I feel like there's some red tape I mean, mirror, not glass. Yeah. Mirror, mirror. I, but so here's the thing. From what you're saying, the ancients didn't necessarily believe that the mirror breaking caused the bad luck, simply that it was an indication of bad luck to come. Like it was a warning. So it was yes. almost like the, the gods were doing you a favor going, hey, just so heads you know, up. heads up, next seven years are going to yeah. be pretty shitty. So you so may want to handle this. If you accidentally did it, it might be inviting the gods to be like, oh shit, we didn't notice this one was sick. Did you see that mirror cracked and we didn't even know? Yeah. You're going to die. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you could just bury it. And I'm so mad about the burying Fuck. thing. I didn't... So many years of bad luck. I could have done something about it. I know. (laughs) In some folklore, a person's reflection in a mirror was thought to house or be connected to a piece of the person's soul. With that in mind, breaking a mirror, especially if it has your reflection in it at the time, might be bad news for your soul. I mean, I feel like this makes... I feel like there's a there's a, a another basis here that if you're the type because I'm thinking like this would probably the superstition ought by rights to apply to cell phones yeah because I mean you got your pictures on there oh, Instagram that's true. like whatever and I guess it makes sense that you're not you're going to be kind of unlucky if you're klutzy so right. if you're the type of person who would break a phone uh, like shatter like drop it and you know whatever if you're the type of person for whom that's a normal occurrence you're probably going to have bad luck regardless yeah because you're going to trip you're going to fall you're going to skin your foot you know you're going to you're going <laughs> to whatever happens lose yeah. your skull you know you didn't break your mirror though no Genji did Genji broke it it's his fault he's the one with bad luck he did have he? bad luck he did have bad luck but I wonder if it because but it's <laughs> been seven dog years since then so it maybe has in the easily clear. been seven oh, dog years oh my god you're right Everything's fine. <laughs> he didn't because that was you remember for two for for yes. uh, for a year he two major medical things in that yes. same year we thought he had lymphoma turned yep. out he didn't thank God which is good. but it was terrifying and very yeah. expensive to discover he did not um, which we were more than happy to spend the money on because he's our baby but and then he had the back issue yes. which also required uh, a lot of money and time to fix yeah and now he's f- <sighs> I feel so much better well, now. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking, wait a minute. You Genji didn't break that mirror. Yeah, Genji, Genji broke, broke that mirror. It. He so ran into for it. those of you who don't understand, we had this, um, and we have a, a replacement now. It's nice. Um, it's coming with us to LA. It's a big, like, tall, leaner mirror. It's really cool. It's called a bistro mirror. I don't know why. Uh, but it's, like, got beveled edges, and it's kind mm-hmm. of aged. So it's got that cool tint to it. So it looks much older than it really is. And um, it was just kind of leaning. And now we have it more to the wall. Like, it's leaning, but the top part is actually anchored to the wall. So it right. can't just fall. Yeah. And um, But we didn't do that at first. The first iteration of that mirror, because we thought, oh, it's heavy. Where's it going? Like, yeah. it's hard. You can't just knock it over. I mean, it must weigh 200 pounds. Right. Unless you had like a 35 pound bowling ball rolling around in your apartment. Well, and so we had this. It, <laughs> so we had this. Uh, this Genji loves playing this um, back before we got Gus. So we got rid of it because the two of them can't play with this thing together. One of them will get hurt because Genji's way too big and violent with it. Yeah. Play, and Gus is too small. But uh, you know, those big inflatable balls that, you know, you can find like, you know, in the cages and like <laughs> yeah. Eckerd's, not Eckerd's, did I just say Eckerd's? You did. Revco. <laughs> Food line. Like, wow. oh, how many defunct stores can I name? But he was playing with that and he just got really into it and he he ran into the mirror with it and then just kind of teetered. And he was well out of the way by the time yeah, it finally fell God. over. But I mean, we were like standing near it and we're like facing the opposite direction. And suddenly we just 
hear this. Well, bam, and we have this massive, very thick table, which the mirror did nothing to. Yeah. It shattered the mirror, the table was fine. Yeah. And so thank God, because that I couldn't replace both of those things. Not yeah. not that year. <laughs> yeah, no. And no. it was like, we're like, what the fuck? It's scary. I mean, the sound alone scared the shit out of us, but oh my God, it was Genji's bad luck, yeah, which is done Genji's. now because it's seven dog years and yeah. he's fine. It's yeah. been like 14 dog years. I'm here then. to make life easier for oh, you. Thank you. By this reminding is the best you. Halloween present ever. You're welcome. You may not have stew, but you have a whole new lease on life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Where was I? Two-two-two. Okay. The soul. Yes. The devil's on his way. If you break a mirror that you've been staring devil's into, that you're looking into. Way. I mean, it sounds like um, he's, where is he? He's on the way. He's over your shoulder. Make up your mind, devil. <laughs> well, if you're looking in a mirror, he's on your way. Um, as, as a soul stealing aside, um, can, a lore about photographs claim that uh, a photograph will capture a, pe- a piece of the subject's soul in them when they're taken. So then that takes you back to your phone. Uh-huh. And your phone just is, your soul is in your phone. So if you feel that way, it's because it's true. <laughs> I mean. With all the pictures in there. There's so, so in other words, so when I'm allowing Mike access to various apps, I'm really allowing them access to my soul. To your very soul. I mean, small price to pay for Google Maps, really. That's true. That's fair. <laughs> uh, the next one, step on a crack and you'll break your mother's back. Oh, yeah. You know that one? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Another superstition, uh, this is from African and European folklore, involves something cracked or broken being associated with bad luck. It's a su- uh, the superstition of stepping on a crack as foretelling or even causing harm to a family member. As with mirror cr- mirrors, cracks in the earth, on a sidewalk, almost anywhere— have long been seen as portals to the realm of the supernatural mm. for both good and bad. Makes me think of Doctor Who. Yeah, exactly. I was just, yeah. 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 Uh, to step on those cracks might be to invite or release unwelcome spirits into the world ready to do one harm. Which then makes me think, if you have a Ouija board oh. that gets broken, you are You're fucked. fucked. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a Ouija board that's made out of a mirror and that gets broken... <laughs> Bye. Did we just <laughs> like, invent a new conjuring ritual? We did. We did. And you're welcome. Don't uh, fucking do it. Okay. Don't do it and come crying to us. Do unless you, it's a good story and submit it to ghosts. Then schools. definitely tell us. Uh, do you pick up a penny when you see it? Lucky Every time. Penny? I pick Every up t- a penny and I make three wishes. Oh, that's and the very you make wishes. That's the very end I was taught. So, my, okay. Let me read this and then we'll talk about it. The idea that finding a penny would bring good luck also originates in ancient Roman, English, and American folk beliefs. In this case, they based didn't on, even have pennies. <laughs> no. uh, <laughs> it's based on the idea that metal, regarded by many ancient cultures as quite valuable, mm. was sent by the gods to protect those whom they favored. If you don't pick it up, you're thumbing your nose at the gods. That's the whole idea of like blacksmithing and all that is like iron ore and all that was seen as coming from meteors, coming from the stars. And so right. like there's this whole brilliant mythology around I mean, in every culture right. that associates ore and like things dug from the ground, precious metals as having first come from the firmament because a lot of them did. Uh, like literally they came yeah. down in meteors and sometimes in ancient, in, in, in the ancient, ancient prehistoric world, like people, you know, ancient mankind saw these meteors right. come down. So there's a, there's a psychological basis for like it came from heaven so it is special and it's precious special. Yeah. yeah um also pennies being made from metal um find them and you'll have good fortune because 
it's money. Pennies um, from heaven. But be careful. Some say that luck could break either way. And if you find a penny tails up, you should turn it over and leave it for the next person or give it to another person. Oh, shit. If you don't, you'll actually have bad luck. Uh-oh. So that's what I had heard. So if it's heads, I hadn't heard I'll that pick part. it up. If it's tails, I'll either leave it or I'll pick it up and give it to the person that's with me. You know, and then you funny. both have good luck. I, I remember the, the penny thing. Like, find a penny, pick it up, then all day you'll have good luck. I remember that mm-hmm. little rhyme. I don't remember... The, the, I don't yeah. remember the little caveat the about what side it's on, but tails, I do remember yeah. when I was very young in class, we were watching like a Reading Rainbow episode or something. Remember that? Yeah. And uh, of course you do. Uh, we've talked <laughs> about it before. Duh. But, um, and there was some book, it was very charming. And of course there were, narr- for those of you that don't know what Reading Rainbow is or was, look it up. It was fucking amazing. But it was, uh, LeVar Burton would host it and then he'd invite someone to like narrate a, a children's book, a, a, an illustration, an illustrated book. And they would like, basically it was like a, 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 a you know, it was a kid's show, but it was really fucking awesome. Yeah. And there was some story about a penny, and it was about a little girl whose grandmother was telling her, like, here's what you do when you discover a penny. And I do not remember the name of the book. I, I, anyone out there can find this episode of Reading Rainbow, or it may not even be Reading Rainbow. It may be something else that I'm just conflating with the show I know. But um, And in it, her grandmother says, you know, yeah, when you pick up a penny, make three wishes. And I forget what the larger story is. I'm just going to call it right is. now that it's going to be Carissa. Yeah, Carissa knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> Carissa like, is the most, this is the like, we have great, we have, we have the best listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Carissa is like the smartest of all of us. Right. By, yeah, by legitimately. Pretty, like Carissa came from heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Carissa yes. is a precious metal yes, that came is. down yes. from the stars. Absolutely. <laughs> and is just slumming it here on earth <laughs> to help us with computers and shit. Legit. <laughs> and so, yeah, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, so yeah, that's Penny. Sorry. Yeah, but that's where I got the yeah. the, the rewishes thing from. It came from, and I just I hadn't thought about that in years. But I was rolling. Yeah, like, I never. Yeah, that, that I didn't know didn't... I could make wishes. I was just always like, this is good luck. I prefer the good luck. I don't want the pressure of wishes. Don't you feel like you always have to be really specific about your wishes yes. so they don't, so the universe doesn't make them come true in a yes. fucking jokey dick way like they yeah. always do? Like, oh, you want a million dollars? Cool. You're going to be in a car wreck that's going right. to immobilize you and you're going to win a lawsuit. Because so you got to be like, like you, I want a million dollars, but not like in a dick way. Yeah. You end up having to like put, you have to put your wishes in this dense legalese. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, this one's very common, especially here in Texas a lucky horseshoe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another object commonly thought to be lucky is a horseshoe. I Earliest, why, I don't know why. Though. That's I'm let's curious. Let's talk about it. Earliest origins of the horseshoe's function as a good luck charm reside in its vulval shape, seen upside down, and the invocation of the pagan moon goddess Diana and her uh, sacred vulva. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a but, fan of Diane. As with pennies, um, metal being seen as both val- valuable and magical. Iron, in particular, was thought by early European Europeans as something capable of warding off evil spirits, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. has stuck around. That's why, if you if you are in um, at a farm, almost yep. all farms will have uh, metal equipment, uh, truck, trailer, something like that, in the four corners of their property to protect the property. This is this. I'm going to interject another sure. another. So, yeah. when we were packing, uh, we found this old iron sign that I've kept with me forever. Uh, because when I was, and Brandon was like, what does this mean? And it, you'll, you'll get it especially. So let me, let, sorry, we're going to take a little journey, everyone. Okay, um, but so when I was young, I was dyslexic and my grandmother, who was a lit professor was like, I'll be damned if you're not going to be able to read a book. <laughs> <laughs> so she worked on me. She really, really, really got her hooks into me and like, and just drilled me until I finished my first book on my own without help from an adult and then made made a little book report on it and everything. And it became one of my favorite books ever. And it's a Lloyd Alexander book called The Wizard in the Tree, which is about a, 
fucking uh, it, it, the, the premise is it's about a little girl that finds her favorite tree in the forest has been felled by by you know uh, woodsman and it's like her tree it was her place mm. her little hideout her club whatever all her own and she finds this old wizard in it who's been trapped inside the trunk and is now free because it's been felled and he's uh, apparently from ancient times when like magicians and magic and all that was real and he explains that well yeah we at some point like when the world was moving on all of us wizards and witches and ghosts and stuff we moved to the other world Valenus it was called uh uh-huh. And so the whole premise of the book, it's a little adventure story where this little girl helps this wizard who is not very good at his job. <laughs> I mean, he's <laughs> a bit rusty. You know, he's yeah. been in a tree for a long time. Um, and I guess the reason he's in the tree is because he he just was on his way to Valenus and needed a walking stick. And he just, without asking the tree's permission, he breaks a limb and the tree's like, uh, bitch. And then, because, <laughs> right. uh, you know, tree it had boundaries yeah. and right. the wizard did not respect them. So <laughs> so the whole story is here he is like, you know, however many centuries later and this little girl is helping him to find Valenus and, uh, you know, and, and his magic gets them in trouble because he's not good at it. You know, he'll try to turn yeah. someone into a frog and it turns them into something much stronger, which <laughs> here is something like. Yeah, yeah. um, But because that was one of my favorite books, and the first book I ever read by myself as as a child struggling with dyslexia, my grandfather decided that um, they had this farm out in East Texas. It was like a little vacation home. We used to hike and stuff. I've talked about on the show a lot. The name of the farm was Vale Ennis. Um, and he had it. I, it was never named before. It had been in the family yeah. for however long, and I didn't know. Uh, but when I drove there one summer, the summer after I'd finished the book, like he had had this wrought iron sign made next to the gate that said Vale Ennis when the, the letters are yeah. cut out in relief. And so when he sold the farm like 25 years ago, when he was too old to live out there by himself yeah. anymore, and so he sold it for the money and then came back to live near my mom, uh, he brought the sign with him and just gave it to me. So I've Aww. had this sign for you know 25 30 years and it's just come with me to place to place it usually ends up in a closet somewhere because it's this oh, big fucking thing but we're gonna put it up in our studio and so oh, yeah good. and it's made of iron because that's an that that's a thing yeah. like it was you know my grandparents were a little super not superstitious they just they appreciated superstitions yes. as cultural sort of artifacts and thought they, they my, my grandparents tended to treat superstitions as art yeah and and so right. they they love that kind of stuff and so they made it out of iron I love so, yeah. that. Sorry, sorry. That was that just takes me back. Yeah, I found That's this. We found story. the sign la- last night, and I'd forgotten that. You know, I mean, of course, I kept yeah. it, but I always forget about it till I find it. I'm like, there it is. Yeah, heavy fucking thing too. Um, <laughs> so there, yeah, iron. Sorry, or if you look at fields, a lot of a lot of fields will have mm-hmm. some heavy mm-hmm. tractor, some some machinery in the four corners. There. Like, yeah. just it's there to yeah. kind of protect. Yep. Yep. Um, and as with the Romans and the lucky number seven, horseshoes frequently featured seven nails, nail holes as well. The most famous story of a horseshoe bringing good luck, however, refers to the story of St. Dunstan, who apparently worked as a blacksmith prior to attaining sainthood. Story goes that one day, the devil rode into Dunstan's shop requesting new shoes for his horse. Dunstan, recognizing the devil, played it off nonchalantly and rather than nailing the shoes to the horse nailed one to the devil's foot instead. In agony, the devil agreed to never enter a house with a horseshoe nailed above the door if Dunstan would simply agree to remove the shoe. (laughs) So I love that one. And I love that idea of the two, the devil being kind of a doofus. Um, (laughs) Then we have the very popular Friday the 13th. Yes. Oh, yes. know about that one. Yes. Yes, like yes. the number seven for the Romans, magical significance has been attached to the number 13. But this time, it's unlucky rather than lucky. 
The number 12 has frequently been seen as positive, 12 months of the year and 12 signs of the Zodiac, or 12 days of Christmas and 12 tribes of Israel, naturally making its nearest neighbor, the number, uh, nearing, nearest neighboring number to the north, negative. Yes. Nobody yes. has a problem with 11. <laughs> Although apparently, I mean, there's kind of a modern superstition about the time, 11, 11, 11. 11. Yeah. yeah. You're supposed to think of something or something know. like that. Yeah. Or just, it's just like a weird feature. Like you'll, whenever you look at a clock and see 11, 11, it means something. Yeah. Like, and I think it just means that you remember seeing 11, 11 more often than you remember seeing other things. I always yeah. remember seeing 10, 08 more because mm. it's my birthday. And I'm always yeah. like, it's my birthday. Yay. <laughs> Every time I see it. Um, but uh, like other superstitions surrounding the Last Supper, the 13th is also seen as unlucky because, once again, the great bet betrayer, Judas Iscariot, was the 13th member of the dinner party that led to Christ's crucifixion. Judas gets blamed for a lot. In addition, on Friday the 13th of October 1307, King Philip the Ninth uh, of France, no, the fourth of France, sorry, mm, um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> arrested and put to death hundreds of the Templar knights. Ah, yes. But, you know, honestly, a baker's dozen ain't bad. But I wonder if instead right. of calling it 13 donuts, they call it a baker's dozen so as to not use the number 13. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they just say baker's dozen because it's like one of those is mine. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, isn't that because like the, the baker will make 13 to have one to test it? Maybe. And then have the dozen that, that it's just, I mean, obviously, and even numbers are easier to, to package. Right. But you know, and usually, always have been. So I don't yeah. know. 13, um, in my family, we, uh, my mother is very superstitious about the 13? number 13. Yeah. I've grown to think it's lucky for us. Yeah. My right. mother disagrees ve uh -huh. vehemently. But my brother and I are like, I don't, good shit happens on the 13th for us. I'm yeah. not sure why that is. But there's a specific reason. It's not just the 13th because it was my aunt's. My aunt was born on the 13th. Ah, gotcha. And so and the one who committed suicide years, right. years and years and years ago. And so I guess my mother's just always had a bad association with the 13th, especially yeah. of that particular month. I won't right. say which month out of privacy, but yeah. yeah. Okay. So, okay. That makes sense. That makes but sense. it's funny. You, uh, there's like our uh, the building we live in now does not have mm -hmm. a 13th floor. Right. That happens a lot. Um, well, it will have a 13th floor. They'll either be misnumbered. Yeah, but yeah exactly. Or they'll have like maintenance. Mm -hmm. Maintenance always gets the shaft that way. It's like, oh, <laughs> is this the haunted basement? Let's go ahead and put cool. maintenance yeah, we'll put there. Yeah. Uh, in Spain and speaking, in Spanish speaking countries, it's Tuesday the 13th that gets people wound up. Martes, Tuesday in Spanish, comes from the Roman god of war. Mars forever tying the day to violence, death, mm. and bloodshed. In conjunction, Constantinople supposedly fell on a Tuesday during the Fourth Crusade, and then Ottoman Turks supposedly claimed the city on a Tuesday more than 200 years later. In India, it's also considered bad luck to get your hair cut on a Tuesday. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, black cats. No, this one. Uh, yes. Uh, don't I let a black this. cat cross your path. And I have in the past been like, I could just walk around the direction they were walking, or like look. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look. Do they have gee, white? You thought this was my do path. They have bitch. A little bit white, white <laughs> on them. But I grew up with a black cat too, solid black. Um, oh, yeah. So it wasn't. I never considered it with him, so it didn't. It doesn't usually occur to me. Hmm. It's just usually when one comes out of nowhere and is like do 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 walking across there. I'm saying. Like, mm. Maybe that's a sign. But again, we get back to this. Direction. Does it does it mean does the does that does the thing does the encounter cause the bad luck, or is it right. just an indication that bad luck is coming? Like I see it as a courtesy. The right. universe is like, telling you, hey, just maybe go in careful. a different way. Like, you know, Cross falling the rocks ahead, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Be prepared. <laughs> uh, that's all we can think of that. <laughs> 
Though cats have often been associated with good luck rather than its opposite and were even worshipped as gods in ancient Egypt, things took a turn for the worse for our dark-colored feline friends slash walking allergy attacks. Sometime, <laughs> sometime around the Dark Ages, when in 1232 AD, a papal bull by Pope Gregory IX declared them an incarnation of Satan. I guess I'm guessing Pope Gregory had a bad allergies. Must have. Like And he was just like And for those of you who don't know a papal bull, like I know you're yeah. probably thinking of like an actual bull. It's no, yeah. it just means like an edict issued yeah. by the Pope. It's in, in other words, it's from the brass. Like Yeah. You know, if you're yeah. Catholic, you have to abide by it. Right. Um and that's just like what? He's been burned by pussy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So <laughs> maybe his allergy to pussy is what brought him to the cloth. <laughs> we could be here all day. Uh, <laughs> things only went downhill hill for black cats from there with people of the Middle Ages burning. We'll see the- if that brings us back. Right. <laughs> Woo. Uh, with people of the Middle Ages burning them and bonfires on holy days like Shrove That's Tuesday. That's fucking psychotic. Yep. The first Sunday of Lent and even Easter, and with the Puritans in America connecting them to the practice of witchcraft. Also, the color black has long been associated with evil and death, which didn't help matters for, well, any creatures. But it goes with everything. It's so easy to coordinate your wardrobe around black. I know. I just don't understand. Um, For example, as far as other animals that were black, uh, blackbirds. That's one. In South Korea, crows are seen as bad luck and possibly even harbingers or death. Of death, I that's imagine. That's just because they're super smart and they cause mischief for uh, fun. Crows, crows do like to fuck with shit just yeah. for the hell of it. Like they're um, little trolls. Ravens too, especially mm-hmm. in the UK, could foretell doom. There's an old British superstition that says six ravens must remain at the Tower of London at all times <laughs> yeah. or the crown will fall. <laughs> so they clip their wings. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I got. I was on a tour there years ago and the guy was like, you know, and he said it just like that ominous, six ravens must remain on the tower or the tower shall fall. Yeah. So we clip their wings. <laughs> Buggers. And he like shot the finger at them as we drove by. Nice. It's really funny. That's good. <laughs> I like, that's great. He was a great tour guide. Um, and in Ireland and Scotland, seeing a single magpie is supposedly bad luck, but two or more is fine. But hmm. one by itself is not good. Hmm. If you're going to go get a kitty, by the way, now is a really great time to adopt. Um, people will sometimes adopt black cats just for the <laughs> for holiday. The, yeah. And then abandon it. So uh, also, keep your eyes out. Also, a lot of fucking psychos out there still like to yeah. burn and maim well, cats just and, for the fucking um, for religious knuckles. cults. Yeah. So magical practices. Go save some kitties too. from, from. Yeah. If you're looking, if you're looking. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed. I do that. Yeah. The superstition. Not as of, much, but I still do it. Yeah. The superstition of crossing one's fingers brings the lucky finger crosser. Good luck comes from pre-Christian pagan times in Western Europe when the practice of making a cross with your own and the index finger of uh, another person uh, was thought to concentrate the forces of good spirits, and to seal a pact or a wish with a fellow crosser. Let's do Wonder it. Wonder twin powers Woo! activate. Vampires, go away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> over time, people realized they could simply bless their own wishes by crossing first their in- their two index fingers on their own, and then later simply the index and middle fingers of one hand, which is what we do today. Mm. Another narrative pins the practice on early Christians who would greet and identify one another in secret with various symbols like crossing the index fingers, touching uh, thumbs, etc. It's like the gay hanky code. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, though this explanation doesn't have the virtue of accounting for the association with good luck. 
because <laughs> it didn't always bode well to those early Christians if people found out who they were. It also seems so. just so weird to me. I'm like, what's lucky about a crucifixion? Like, yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, I, I get in the in the context of that belief, of course, it's great for us that you yeah. know, Jesus got crucified because he's paying for our sins. But man, it doesn't seem, it's always bothered me that we kind of we go back to we go it back so to it a long yeah. time. It's like why can't we? And there's another prominent symbol we could use that's not that maybe doesn't remind Jesus of that that painful few days. Yeah, eh, I'm not a re- religious reformer. I'm just talking out of my ass. Right, it's fine. <laughs> you can. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. No um, hate. No hate. No hate. Chewing gum at night. Have you heard about this one? This is no? this is not a local one. If you uh, if you have you ever had an irrational fear of accidentally consuming dead flesh? Uh, no. Well, in I Turkey, it's thought that after dark, chewing gum is magically transformed like the Mogwai in the movie Gremlins, who turn <laughs> into the titular monsters if they eat after midnight, into mm-hmm. the flesh of the dead. So if you're chewing gum at midnight, it's flesh. So it's kind of like taking communion. We're going back to I mean, Catholicism if ever, there. <clears throat> if you've ever had fruit stripes gum, it becomes dead flesh in it like does, two seconds. It does, that's true. <laughs> it's like, mm, oh. You're not wrong. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Maybe that's the gum they had there. Uh, the number four, as we've oh, seen yeah, yeah. with the numbers like 13 and seven, numbers are frequently assigned different magical significance or status depending upon the culture in question. For the Chinese, the number four is a no-no due to the similarity in its pronunciation. The Chinese to the word for death. So four and death uh, yep. sounds similar in yep. Chinese. Um, this one is so crazy. I had to inter- include it. Writing love letters to Juliet Capulet. In Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. That's a thing? People do that? <clears throat> yeah. The male member of the doomed pair of lovers was known to frequent the foot of Juliet's balcony in order to send up his nightly entreaties or an end missives of love. At the Casa de Gioletta, Gioletta in Verona, <laughs> Italy, where Capuletti family supposedly lived at Via Capello 23, visitors can write their own love letters to and even rub the right breast of the nearby statue of Juliet. This is all done in the hopes of earning her favor, like the Romeo of long ago, even if the pair themselves were not so lucky. A sweet word and a statue titty rub. <laughs> it does seem very Italian when you think about it. <laughs> Should we take a break? Yeah, break. let's take a break and then we'll yeah, get into yeah. They're not all quite as long as that. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, all right, little break and we'll be back. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween, ghoulish listeners. we have a Halloween event coming up that we want to tell you about. It is on Halloween, the 31st of October this year, 2020. It is, uh, we're not able to do what we normally do, which is the stew and the ghost stories. But we are teamed up with Color World, Color World Live. And we will be doing a panel that everybody has access to if you want to come watch us yes. chat. We'll have some guests on. It'll be a lot of fun, and you can join in. We also will have some items for purchase. You can get um, one-on-one chats with us. You can get, I guess, one-on-two chats with us, too. Yeah, um, yeah. There will be voice messages, autographs, new merchandise, new Google Intentions so many merchandise. Things. So many things. So many things. So Carla many things. World couldn't make it easier. It's awesome. That's right. That's right. Um, so you can Google Color World Live and, and their information will come up. But you can also follow us on Twitter, of course, School Intent. <laughs> and we will certainly let you know uh, the links of where you can go watch it. If you are a Patreon member, you will be able to not only watch but ask questions. Mm-hmm. And you'll get 5%, 20%, or up to 50% 
of uh, of a discount code available depending upon what tier you are. Yeah. So if you were thinking about joining, this is a great time to join it our is. Patreon. <laughs> so we're really excited about Halloween. We hope to see some of you guys there. Anything else, Michael? Uh, I can't wait. I think it's a really, really good uh, answer for us not being able to do the normal Halloween thing this year. This is even better in some ways. So yeah. please join us, and we look forward to seeing you there and hearing some of you as well. For Halloween! Halloween! We're back! <laughs> <laughs> we are back. We are back. We, have, we are nourished-ish, and <laughs> we are ready to move on. To the curse of the evil eye. Oh, oh. It's a big one. I'm sure. It's a common belief spanning the Mediterranean, Middle East, and South Asia that's been held for thousands of years that to achieve too much success would be to invite the anger or inspire the envy of the gods, who would then smite the unfortunate individual with a reversal of fortune. In response to the fear of this curse, people across the ancient Mediterranean began fashioning amulets and beads with an image of an evil eye, sometimes referred to as nazars, which would then help ward off that horrible untaught fate. Mm. There's also the idea, and this is from various regions, that when people covet what you have, they give you the evil eye. So you have to protect yourself from too much love. Then you can get the evil eye by someone wishing you direct harm of, or a curse or something like mm -hmm. that. So there's different versions of getting it. Here in Texas, complimenting a new baby is not always a good idea. It's seen as bad luck for the baby. Your really? compliment could make the baby sick. Yeah, and so... I don't know. <clears throat> I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's very uh, common, especially uh, with Mexican immigrants. Mm. Um, so Texas, South Texas especially, it's just you don't want to... You don't want to compliment a baby or look directly at to look too long at the baby. Good to know. Because you could be making the baby sick. And so there's uh, a to ward well, it off. Well, that's certainly true now. Mm -hmm, that's true. <laughs> um, there's this whole thing with an egg that they do where they make the sign of the cross and they kind of rub a uh, raw egg and then they have to crack it and do stuff with it. I don't huh. know all of the stuff, but it's a. Interesting. Yeah, I've never heard of that a before. Whole egg well, ritual. I'm not ever complimenting a baby again. Don't ever. do it. I'm not complimenting that baby. I'm not going to give it. The evil eye. No, yeah, thank whenever you. Whenever someone shows me a baby, I'm just going to be like, huh, eh, That's right. it's all right. You can get talismans, though. That's the easiest way to protect yourself. Ah, yes. Get yes. yourself a little talisman, and then <laughs> you'll be good to go. So that's the evil eye. And then we have tucking thumbs inside of a cemetery. Tucking your thumbs in. So like if you make a like, fist. like just putting my thumbs inside a cemetery. Just tuck in your thumb and stick it into the like ground. Or, oh. No, no. Um, <laughs> like if you make a fist, you can cover it. But covering your thumb somehow. But tucking it in is the way. Why? why? So, What's the, I've never, like that's the, another one I've never heard. Yeah, like the fear of the word for in China, hinging on the similarity in pronunciation to the Chinese word for death, the Japanese similarly tuck in their thumbs when visiting a cemetery to see graves of the dead, uh, dead relatives. This comes from the connection between the Japanese word for thumb and its meaning as the parent finger. To tuck in one's thumbs inside a cemetery, then, is to protect one's parents from death. Oh. Yeah. All right. There is also a thing from Russia with yellow flowers. Tell me if you've heard this one. Like numbers. Oh. Colors have frequently been assigned symbolic significance, like black being seen as a color of bad luck mm. and red as the color of passion. In Russia, yellow flowers in particular are seen as problematic as they are thought to represent infidelity, separation, or even death. 
Oh, that's that's yeah. never. But like, I know a yellow rose as being friendship. It's, well, and yellow rose is the state flower of Texas. Yeah, yeah. So, yellow rose of Texas. There's yeah. like songs and shit. About yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I've never heard of that. I, I, I haven't either. Wow. Um, sweeping feet. If you happen to be on a cleaning spree in Brazil, you will want to steer clear of brooms, or at least be careful. South Americans believe that if your feet are swept over by a broom, you will remain single for the rest of your life. The curse can be broken if you immediately spit on the broom. The exact origins of the superstition are unknown, but legend has it that a woman who cannot keep a house does not a good wife make. So this is the misogynistic mm. superstition. Hmm. I'm sure that's not the only one. Uh, and yeah. then itchy palms. Oh, I've heard of that one. Depending yeah. upon which palm of yours begins to itch, you may find yourself in the Caribbean and multiple other locations with a bit of extra spending money. Or in the red. It is common belief <laughs> that an itchy left palm means you will owe some money soon, whereas an itchy right palm means money is coming your way. The explanation is that the left hand seems to hold passive energy and the right hand active energy, which symbolically could explain the coming in and out of money. Hmm. Right hand, mm -hmm. left hand of the god. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Trimming nails at night. Oh, shit. This one's fun. That's the only time I do it. I know. Jack, too. I was like, Jack, you cannot go to Turkey, India, and South Korea. Um, it's bad luck to trim your finger or toenails after dark, according to superstitions in Turkey, India, and South Korea, like I just said. Uh, one Japanese superstition even claims you could have a premature death. Historically, knives or other sharp carding, uh, cutting tools would be used to trim long nails. Darkness oh, plus so you're those sharp, you're just going to cut yourself. Get gangrene and you don't uh, have medical access, so, so you that's could die. just practical. That's just practical. Um, now it's like you're gonna you're gonna be fine, but I guess they hold on to those. Don't do it. It's fine. I mean, I don't do it with a knife. I do it with nail clippers. Yeah, nail clippers. You have to really try to hurt yourself with nail clippers. Yeah, go way deep, but that's I mean, there's a heads up first and the pressure. Like way. Yeah. Heads up. <laughs> so this one is fun. Whistling. Okay. I hate whistling. You do. It you do. crawls up my spine. It's like nails on a chalkboard I for you. I do not like whistling. And sometimes I'll whistle a little bit, like da-da-da, or someone can a little bit. But if it's too much, I Man, do not like it. I don't know why. the building where I used to work for many years. There was some guy on another floor that would always come down to our floor to use the bathroom. Uh, just to shit, I guess. Yeah, I he don't didn't want to shit on his own wanna, floor. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. I'm like, shit on your own floor. If yeah. you're... Mm. Or just shit at home, people. Shit at yeah, home. Who shit fucking home. shits at the office building? There it was. Dang, there it is again. I had to turn it off for a second. I knew it was coming back on. I would but, forget. Uh, but he used to just whistle. And I mean, just forever. The whole time he was taking a shit, he'd be like, he, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to bug you. But like he would Appreciate just be it. warbling and warbling and warbling like a fucking song board, board, I, bird. Well, I guess maybe to disguise the sound of the shit plopping No one water. knows why I'm here or what I'm doing. Yeah. Whistle, whistle, whistle. Like you're, uh, you're, no. I can see your shoes, bro. We yeah. know what you're doing in there. We know you. I we hope you. we know what you're doing in there because if Ooh. it's not what I think you're doing, it's something worse. Yeah, that's true. It's definitely, yeah. Uh-huh. In South Korea, it has been long believed that whistling at night can summon spirits, ghosts, demons, and other unearthly creatures. A slightly less terrifying but still very frightening version of the superstition is that snakes will appear instead of spirits. So this particular one I have a connection to in a way. Um, Jack's uh, ex-wife, the girl's mom, is Korean. She's South Korean. Okay. And I read about this a long time ago. And I asked him, it was like, hey, has she ever, did she ever like complain about you whistling? And he said, 
Yeah, she always said something about snakes. I never really understood what she was saying, but there was always, don't whistle, snakes. <laughs> I, was, I had no idea what she was talking about. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Could you be clear? No, it's just, just, it's just yeah. snakes. So then I asked the girls what if if they've ever whistled. And they're like, no, we're not supposed to. My grandpa says it makes snakes come get you. <laughs> I thought that's like, I thought yeah. it seems to be like you should be able to charm a snake. Right. My whistling. No, it, it attracts them apparently. Huh. And so I just thought that was so fascinating. It got me looking into other superstitions and stuff like that. And then I felt real bad because I'm pretty sure after telling the girls it's a superstition, just kind of like Black Cat Crossing Road, mm-hmm. they were like, oh. And so I am fairly certain they whistle just to irritate their family, their Korean <laughs> family. Um, I'm sorry. When you want the snakes to show up because right. your family's being annoying. Got it. Yeah. Whistle, whistle. Whistle while you work and terrify your family. (laughs) Sitting at the corner of a table. According to Hungarian and Russian superstitions, and probably others, sitting at the corner of the table is bad luck. The unlucky diner will allegedly never get married. Some say the bad luck only hangs around for seven years, though. However, I believe if it's 1750 and you're a 17-year-old girl, being off the market for seven years could have effectively meant you were never getting married. Who's going to marry you if you're 24? That's disgusting. You're a, you're a spinster. Spinster. You're an old maid at that point. Right? Oh. So Jesus. there's that one. Purse on the wallet or wallet on the ground. This one I know of because of Monica. Oh, I'll I read it. Uh, potential dirtiness aside, superstitions in some Central and South American countries, as well as the Philippines say and, and Vietnam, say resting your purse or wallet on the ground will lead to bad financial luck. In other on-the-ground bad luck superstitions, sitting directly on the cold ground can lead a woman to never having children, according to Russian myth. Mm. I wonder how many women just ran outside in the cold and sat down, just just in case. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They're like, thank you for letting us know. My body, my choice. (laughs) This is one that I do, and it's because Monica always would pick my purse up Uh if I, like, set it on the floor of a house or whatever. She would pick it up and put it on a counter, pick it up and put it on a chair. Um... And I asked her, I was I like, why do, do that I to s- keep the dogs from getting to it? <laughs> right, right. Well, and I wouldn't with the dogs, but she, and this was a long time ago too. She grew up in Houston and um, I think she grew up in a Vietnamese community and she had some Vietnamese friends and she'd mm-hmm. go over to their house and they were very big about it. And her, their, their parents explained it to her. And so she always wanted to make sure she wasn't offending them. So she kept her purse up and it's a habit of hers. And so if she sees someone else's, she's still trying to not offend those parents and she'll pick your stuff up for you. you put on. <laughs> yeah. So now I do Aww. it. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like just a nice thing to it do. Is. Yeah. It also though, you, you shouldn't put your stuff on the floor and it's not like I was doing it flagrantly, no. but it you came just come to... in and just dump your shit everywhere. Like, right. fuck no. you, you, pick it up. Like, <laughs> I'll throw it across the room, wherever the purse lands, man, I don't even care. Um, <laughs> Toasting with water. Toast. Okay. Okay. You want to wish death upon someone? Toast them with water. According to German superstition. Of course, it's fucking German superstition. The tale is derived from the Greek myth where the spirits of the dead would drink from the water, uh, water from the river Leth. Leth? L-E-T-H-E? I think Leth. Leth. Lethy. Leth, Lethy, Leth. The goddess and river of forgetfulness would cause the spirit to forget its earthly past before it passed on into the underworld. So that's one that is one. But there's a few other drinking superstitions that we know about. And so one of those is toasting with an empty glass. Do you know that one? Have you ever done that? So to toast with an empty glass is to say you enter into a friendship or celebration with empty intentions. 
Uh, Which well, I guess isn't always negative. It could be like, I have no I expectations have no- <laughs> for tonight, so whatever. Like, let's fucking go for it. <laughs> that you know, that's I mean, a good thing. It it's like mates just play. It's like, no, look, I don't want I don't expect I don't want anything out of this. I just want the pleasure of your company. Right. But that's the pleasure of a company is expectation. So maybe it's more like don't it's, expect it sounds any- like someone just isn't invested at all. In right. Yeah. It's not it's not about what they're it's about you shouldn't expect anything from them. <laughs> that's probably more like what it is. Uh, I ain't making no promises. Uh, so always um, toast life with an empty glass. Got that's it. right. Um, make eye con making eye contact while toasting. This God, is in, there's so many fucking rules. You must do this. Have you ever done this when you're cheers? When you're yeah, when they you're taught us to do that in Ireland. Yeah, in England, you, they were like, you know, everyone look, and we now we make a big joke of it every time we do it. We make like sure that like, everyone contact, makes everybody eye contact. Look, everybody everyone look. Table. <laughs> so one of the things is they'll say you you'll have seven years of bad sex if you don't make eye contact. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the things they'll say. That's what it was. Um, if you don't make eye contact while toasting in Germany, you may get kicked out of a bar. So I, it's Jesus. really just about committing to the sincerity of the cheers. Um, I mean, eye contact is a very, it's a very vulnerable thing. So if you're willing to make that eye contact, yeah. it, it means there's a connection. Yeah. You know, that's what yeah. I teach my students in, in, in my acting workshop. It's eye true. contact and silence are two very, very necessary components. There's nothing yeah. superstitious about it. It's just how our brains work. Yep, it's true. Uh, tapping the table with your glass is usually at a bar. I do that after uh, when we're toasting with sake. With sake or with yeah. uh, shots usually. If you yeah. get shots at a bar, yeah. you God, tap I it on the bar. I don't do shots. Um, but it, or a drink, you hmm. get it. Um, yeah, I guess, and I guess I've tap done it on the bar. Drinks before. Yeah, I uh, I like to think. Oh no, wait, that's the wrong thing. Um, it's usually believed to mean good luck, but it actually acknowledges the bartender. So do it. So it becomes a superstition because everybody just automatically, if you're... Because if you don't acknowledge the bartender, good luck getting that next drink. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) it is a very... And I think I picked it up from knowing bartenders. So that was kind of... That's just so... It's just... So it's, again, it's just a nice civil thing to do that has since become like, you know, it's a superstition. Again, nothing superstitious about it because you got to be nice to the bartender if you want another round. Exactly. Avoiding even numbers with gar- garnish. This was new to me, but I like it. This is a Southern American thing, and I like to think it comes from basic design principles. You know, things should be grouped in odd numbers, not even. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, but who knows? It's a thing bartenders do, though. They'll only put th- they'll put three olives in. They'll put one olive in, but they won't put two. They'll put you know, yeah, yeah, yeah that kind of stuff. So th- so they do it in odd numbers. They have a tendency to. Yeah. Um, the Hagia Sophia thumb turning. The, the Hagia Sophia Hi, thumb, thumb turning. Thumb turning. Uh, once a church, a mosque, and now a museum, the Hagia Sophia in Turkey. Oh, oh okay. Um, has a column with a deep thumb hole in it. The story goes that the Byzantine emperor Justinian I had a nagging headache cured after touching the column. People will now wait in line to put their thumb in the hole and rotate their hand in a circle because of rumored he- healing powers. Less dirty than touching a stone titty. That's true. Maybe. What's going on in the hole with the thumb? That's a lot of thumb juice. I I guess it's also still kind of sexual. (laughs) It's extremely sexual. (laughs) Uh, Birds flying into your home. An old wise tale says that a bird flying into your home is a bad sign, especially if said bird circles room and lands on the back of someone's chair and then leaves. That supposedly means the person whose chair the bird chose will die. That's why we play musical chairs in my house. No, that's so nice. no one has no just one has a, a chair. chair. <laughs> a more specific flying death omen can be found in Mexican and Caribbean folklore: the black witch moth. 
The moth is bat-shaped, dark in color, nocturnal, and pretty big. Female moths can have a wingspan around six and a half inches. So if that comes in and lands on your shit, (laughs) I would feel like that would be like, maybe I should get out of here. (laughs) For me, you know, it's creepy. Um, Argentinian werewolves. Oh. There is a superstition in Argentina that claims seventh sons will turn into werewolves unless the president of the country adopts them. I'm not kidding. This is true. <laughs> the superstition was reportedly brought to Argentina. Now they'd be fucked here. I know, right? <sighs> also, I mean, seven sons, though. That's a lot of kids to get to a seventh son. Yeah, um, yeah. The superstition was reportedly brought to Argentina in 1907 by two Russian immigrants, where the custom held that the Tsar became the godfather to seventh sons. Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, Argentina's president from 2007 to 2015, was said to have adopted a boy as her godson because of the centuries-old superstition. Hmm. So, there we go. All right. Happy birthday. In Russia, celebrating or even congratulating someone on their birthday before the day arrives brings bad luck. I'm glad that we do not follow that practice. God, because I get... You get I, I have then, people that... People, like fans, will wish me happy birthday in January. Yeah. I'm like, we're yeah. not even halfway there yet, folks. Right. But you did this year early. You were like, well, it is so 2019. I'm going to say happy birthday early. <laughs> um, don't place two mirrors opposite each other. Oh, I've heard that before. The infinite reflections may look cool, but in Mexico and elsewhere, facing mirrors open a doorway for the devil. For the devil. Never God, stick. he's over your shoulder. Right. He's, he's up your ass. He's in the mirror. Like the devil devil gets around. Yeah. And this is one that follows falls into the category of like politeness as well, but there is behind it. Never put your chopsticks straight up. Don't stick them in your bowl straight up, right? Um, poking chopsticks down in your food is a big no-no in Japan. The utensils look like the unlucky number four, which means death, and also the incense sticks oh, used at funerals. Saying, What'd you you're hear? Saying, I heard chapstick. No, chopsticks. <laughs> Chopsticks. I was like, they're just usually horizontal because that's just the way they want to go in the bowl. I didn't know there was a way to no, do it. That's no, funny. No, if you I stick them like, in your eyes. And you're, why would you stick chapstick in your rice? That's why it was in there. Like, this oh, she means so chopsticks. Strange. I heard. But, chopsticks. Wow. Clearly, chopsticks. clearly my lips are chapped. So I heard what I wanted to hear. <laughs> Another tip. Don't point your chopsticks at anyone. It's just rude. Yeah, so there's chopsticks. The same reason you want to like yeah. point a fork at someone or a knife at someone when yeah. you're dining. It is, it, yeah, it's yeah. considered rude. Yeah. Give a penny if you've received something sharp. Gifting anything with a blade can supposedly sever a relationship. So if you receive a knife set or a pair of scissors as a present, give the person a coin in return hmm. to make sure they don't sever the friendship. It's no longer a gift at that point. It's just right. barter. Yep. But, you know, if it's just a coin, it's still a gift. Uh, I don't know how much they spend on those scissors. <laughs> <laughs> don't go home right after a funeral. Um, the uh, Filipino tradition called Pag Pag dictates that people never go straight back to the house after a wake. Otherwise, a bad spirit might tag along and come inside. Mourners will make a stop at the restaurant or store first, just in case. Hmm. Hmm. Nice. I think this is just <laughs> a lot of store guys and like people that run stores near cemeteries going, motherfuckers, this place yeah. is so haunted because of y'all. <laughs> or like so busy. Thank you for all the money. Um, <laughs> I feel like this maybe was something that was started by someone who wanted to go to the pub, 
after a funeral instead of going home and dealing with awkward familyness. It also just sounds like, you know, if you've just been to a funeral, you don't, if, especially if it's from a loved one that lived, lived in your home, you don't yeah. want to go home to an empty house or a funeral. Right. It's depressing as fuck. Yeah, but also I, this might have just been made up by somebody who wanted to go I think, get a drink. Jamie, I think most of these were made up. <laughs> You're right. But I like to know why. And this right. is just, this I got to like, get to the bar. I can't deal with this shit. And it just stuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just sounds like a perfectly psychologically healthy habit after a yeah. funeral to go to a bar. I feel, I'm going to apologize for any of our listeners that are really into superstitions because you're going to have to remember a lot after this one. That's and I'm sorry <laughs> for all of the new <laughs> Sorry, we hope we things. haven't raised any blood pressure. Uh, avoid pressure. sleeping with your head to the north. According to Japanese superstition, sleeping with your head in this direction is bad luck because that's how the deceased are laid to rest. In uh, Africa, it's don't sleep with your head to the west. Is that like the Doppler effect? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, keep your new shoes off the table. I don't know this one. I would never put my old shoes on the table. Right. But if you have any shoes, I guess their assumption is they're new because if you walked on the ground, they wouldn't be on the table. But I know some people too, it's not on any surface, right? Like mm. if you have shoes and you're putting them even on like a, a surface that isn't a clean surface or something yeah. like that, they'll still put them on the floor. Um, but it's because, uh, in Britain specifically, it's considered bad luck because it's supposed to symbolize the death of a loved one. Back in the day, placing someone's shoes on a table was a way to let the family know they had passed away. It's also gross. Don't do that. Talk about a, like, what? Hmm. They're not using their words. Like, just to have a, like, like, talk about not wanting to, like, have a difficult conversation to show up. I'm like, how's, how's Nana? Here are those here's, shoes. Here's her shoes. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See you at the funeral. <laughs> uh, pub call afterwards. Don't play with scissors. Well, that's just smart. Especially if you've been given scissors. Don't play with the scissors. Especially when you've been given scissors, scissors and you haven't bothered to give the person that gifted them to you a coin. Yeah. Idly playing with scissors will bring bad luck according to Egyptian lore. Plus, it's just dangerous. So don't do that. Stepping in dog poo. <laughs> If you're stepping in dog poo, you're already you already have bad luck. Except it's actually considered good luck in France if you do it with your left foot. <laughs> it's only bad luck if you step in it with your right foot, which is kind of opposite. That's funny. Yeah. Huh. Maybe because the left side is more passive energy, it's not going to absorb the poo. This is me reaching. I don't know. <laughs> um, and more poo superstition because there is more. Um, <laughs> in Russia, bird poop that lands on you or something that belongs to you will bring you wealth. Fuck if I had a nickel. My whole backyard belongs to me. <laughs> and I have yet. <laughs> Owls. Oh. There's an Egyptian superstition that if you see or hear an owl, terrible news is coming. Yet another reason not to hang out in the woods at night. Stay away. Also, an Italian superstition says that if an owl ends up in your house, someone in your family will die. Yeah, because the owl might fucking kill right. them. Or they'll have a stroke just from fear. You just got to be careful with owls. <laughs> Knitting outside. I'm never going to have this problem. Me either. If you're in Iceland, there's a superstition that doing your needlework on your doorstep will keep the temperatures frigid. I guess you're telling the outside, I'm ready for you, bitch. And then the outside is like, okay. So like the harbinger to climate change? I guess so. <laughs> uh, Yo-yos. So human industry has constantly been affecting the climate. Wow. Yeah. That's how it works. <laughs> this one is fucking amazing. Syria 
banned yo-yos in 1933 <laughs> over fear they would cause a drought. Okay. Yep, that's all I got on that one. I have no idea. What, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, how, what's the connection there? Mm-hmm. I really want to know. I don't know. It's... I don't know. Spilling water. In Serbia, it's believed to bring good luck if you drip water behind a person. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Wedding bells. Irish brides have been known to wear bells on their dresses mm. to ward off evil spirits who might try to ruin their marriage. <laughs> Goat meat. Like the bridesmaids. Like the bridesmaids. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, um, Sarah! Superstitious women in Rwanda don't eat goat milk over fear that it will cause them to grow facial hair. Uh, well, I mean, it's also, in my opinion, anyway, you... nasty. This is yet one that That's I imagine really... an intelligent Rwandan woman. Someone was like, "You should have goat," and she was like. I can't eat that because she knew it was gross. And they were like, you know, it'll give you a beard, right? Yeah, that's what she was like. I can't eat it. It'll give me whiskers. Look at goats. They have whiskers. I don't want whiskers. And then people were like, okay. And and then other women were like, what did she say? I don't want the whiskers either. So sorry. I wonder how many adolescent young men started drinking goat's milk by the fucking gallon hoping (laughs) to get a mustache. Now, goat cheese is different. I'll eat the shit out of some goat cheese. Goat goat cheese is just old goat milk. This is goat meat specifically. But goat meat? Yeah. Goat meat. Yeah. I thought you said goat milk. Sorry. No, goat meat. Oh, goat meat. I, I, I've, I've had goat before. It's I not my favorite. It. I do I, not love worst, it. I, I'm a fairly adventurous eater or have been yeah. in, in the past, like, say, 20 years. Wasn't always the case. But we went one time to uh, a Jamaican restaurant, authentic Jamaican restaurant. Really, really good. We'd been there before, but there's something on the menu called Manish Water. M-A-N-N-I-S-H. Um, and it, it sounded tasty. It was like the, the primary ingredient was goat and, and I've had goat before and I like, it. it's just fine. It's gamey, but it's not everyone's thing, but I, I no, like it just thing. fine. Um, in case you haven't picked up on that. the, our server tried to talk me out of getting it. Oh, that's a good sign that she you was like, get it. Oh no, no, don't do that. Only, only macho assholes in Jamaica. And she was Jamaican. She was like only machos. Ass- it's, it's a, it's a macho thing. Like it's not good. It's not, I hate it. She's like, I hate it. I, I hate it. It. I was like, but I like goat. She said, you won't like this goat. And I was like, (laughs) well, now I just want to try it just to see how bad it is. She's like, all right, well, that's, you know, it's your money and your stomach. And so they brought it out and it was the most disgusting. One of, I shouldn't say the most, certainly (laughs) one of the most disgusting things I've ever put in my mouth. It was goat meat, but it tasted like a fucking petting zoo. (gasps) Like it was so. Oh no. I guess I'm having they, a sensory reaction. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was like this stew, this kind of brownish, yellowish, thick, almost a curry-like stew, if I recall correctly. And there were just bits of, of you know, goat meat floating in it, like there would be in beef stew, except mm-hmm. you know, it's goat instead of beef. And um, but the chunks of goat meat were so gamey and so, for lack of a better word, fresh. Like they just tasted musky, oh. which is different than gamey. This tasted like they barely cooked it, or like, or just like barely shaved it and just plopped it in yeah. chunks in or the stew. And it was chopped it, stored it in the barn for a little bit. So gross. It was yeah. so gross. And then she came over and she's like, do you like it? I was like, no, this is disgusting. She's like, I warned you. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, there are also superstitions about eating while pregnant. Not that either one has to wor- of us has to worry about that, but there's a Canadian superstition that expectant mothers who are craving fish but don't eat it, we'll end up having a baby with a fish head. 
Oh. Wow. How do you, how okay. this one comes about, I don't know. But they're baby with a fish. I'd be like, fucking challenge that shit. I'm craving fish. I'm not going to eat it just to see what happens. God, that makes me think of another disgusting dish I had. It was a Korean dish called monkfish stew. And I just tried it because I wanted to try it. It sounded like stew. And I like fish. I like stew. No, stay away uh, from stews. Wait, but it was like, it was kind of, with all due respect to, to people for whom this is a staple of your diet. Um, but for me, a little white American boy growing up in the <laughs> South, um, it was like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I just like dip my 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 spoon, my ladle into this gorgeous stone bowl <laughs> that they yeah. served it in. It was the presentation was great, except for like or it was like oh nice smooth surface, still placid lake surface of stew. And then <laughs> I put my ladle in, and these fucking ugly monkfish heads come oh no like, to the surface. What? And monkfish are the stuff of fucking nightmares. Yeah. They look like they look like something out of a horror movie. Oh no! Um, and I just I couldn't. I, I think I had a little bit of the the actual liquid and be like like <laughs> like Mrs. Peacock and Clue just yeah and then I was like nope done thank you I'll My have some bulgogi please grandmother used to make fish head soup but she would cook the fish heads and then she'd strain everything out so it was really a broth and then she'd add vegetables and stuff yeah to it. it's and just then something about that. It's the, it's the, again, it's the eye contact thing. I don't want to make eye contact uh, with the thing I'm eating. Nope, not, I'm not at all. I'm not, I don't want to be that connected to nature. I, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I just don't think it's healthy for me. <laughs> right, I get that, I get that. And I love that you said the words, I don't want to make eye contact with something I'm eating. It's oh, oh, no, dirty. is it going to play um, to our next thing? No. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. Uh, also, okay, in Korea, there's a superstition that nibbling unshapely food while pregnant means you will end up having an ugly baby. <laughs> well, that explains what my mom must have been doing when she was pregnant <laughs> with me. Walking backwards. In Portugal, it's considered bad luck to walk backwards. The common belief is that if you do, you're showing the devil which way you're going. <laughs> right this way, sir. Um, then you just uh, then you just take you put up double mirrors. He'll get confused because he'll think, "Oh, I got to lead like whatever." The devil just is everywhere. He's a he's a real goober. That devil. <laughs> he's, he just won't <laughs> leave us the fuck alone. Just give him a mirror. Here, look at this. Aren't you handsome? Smash mirror. <laughs> I have your soul now, motherfucker. Seven uh, dog years of bad luck for you, <laughs> Satan. He's like, I got condemned to hell. Uh, what's bad luck to me? <laughs> I don't know. That's your that's that's your business. That's, that's your <laughs> literally. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably runs a moving uh, company. Uh, don't sing at the dinner table. Apparently, that's also just common courtesy. Yeah. Apparently, in the Netherlands, singing your favorite tune means you're singing to the devil for your food. Is that where "Sing for Your Supper" comes from? Maybe. I feel it? like no, but that's singing. In order to get food. But if you're singing while you're eating, that's different. Yeah. I don't know. Why is, why is the devil so interested in art? Like, I just... So many things. If you whistle, very if, you, particular. if you sing, if you forget to put your thumbs in your pockets when you're in a cemetery. Like, there's just so many rules. Yeah. I Wearing just red. You had to be a nice person. Yeah, right? <laughs> Wearing red. In the Philippines, it's believed that the color red, don't wear red, Michael, attracts lightning. So you shouldn't wear oh, red fuck. during a storm. What color are you wearing right now? Uh, not anything red. 
Not nothing red. red. No, nothing. Oh, red. you know, with the way the light's hitting it, it brown. kind of looks this like a brown. red. This is brown. This is my this is my Parisian brown. cardigan. It's a little. It's like um, I oh no, it. it's brown. It, it is browner it, in here in the darkness. Yeah. There's like a reddish brownness to Great. it. Right, lightning's gonna strike me. And we're in a storm. Don't wear red during a storm. You'll it'll attract lightning. While red is strongly associated with the chi- with Chinese New Year, birthdays, and weddings, because Chinese brides will wear red mm-hmm, mm-hmm, during their weddings. Um, when it's a tradition. Oh, it is a tradition to wear red, right? Many don attire when they feel the need to get extra luck. This rule extends to underwear, which is good news for anyone wanting to attract good luck in a more subtle way. In fact, <laughs> the best way to be lucky for the new year is to wear red underwear gifted by friends or family. Just not if it's storming. Just not if it's storming. <laughs> There's so many contradictory. It's I like know. Playing, it's like different a countries crossword with different, Yeah. Um, yeah, the lightning one is the Philippines. So the color red significance has spread from China over to the gambling world as a whole, as the color evokes feelings of power and energy. Mm-hmm. So many players tend to bet on red while playing roulette or prefer to wear red clothing when gambling. That so, may, see, that makes sense within the context of the lightning thing. I mean, I know they're not yeah, related, right? but it, it makes because it's like, you know, you lightning strikes, you want lightning to strike and gambling. And that's, oh, yeah, I want those kind of odds. Like I need I need lightning strike odds in my favor right now to win this. this I was at a casino game. once and I was walking through with a friend and we stopped. Oh, I love the story. And they were playing roulette and the guys looked up at me and um, all of them just looked at me at once and I just go, always bet on red, fellas. Just like that. It was so stupid. And they all did, and they all won. Oh, my God. And then I, I was like, uh-huh. And I walked away, and I was like, I can never come back to this table because they're going to lose the next round. <laughs> it was amazing, though. I felt really powerful. I would do the same thing and walk by, walk by and be like, always bet on gay, fellas. <laughs> See what happens. Like, um, Which one's gay? Which one's gay? Uh, I don't understand. They all so are, babes. The rabbit rabbit thing. The rabbit, 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 you know, at the beginning of the month, the rabbit, rabbit thing. Okay. No. So this is something I didn't know about until recently because on Twitter, if you notice at the, t- at the beginning of the month, a lot of posts will be rabbit, rabbit or white rabbit. It's um, pretty that. common. Of course, I'm very rarely on Twitter. Right. That's true. Saying rabbit, rabbit or white rabbit on the first day of every month ensures good luck for that month. A common belief in Britain and North America. Back in 600 BC, Rabbits were thought to communicate with spirits of the underworld because they lived underground. Mm, that makes sense. The exact origin of the superstition is unknown, though it was recorded as being said by children in 1909. My two daughters are in the habit of, this is a mother speaking, my two daughters are in the habit of saying rabbits on the first day of each month. The, the word must be spoken aloud and the first word said in, uh, and be the first word said in the month. It brings luck for that month. Other children, I find, use the same formula. It's also been pointed out that the word rabbit was often used in expletives and suggested that the superstition <laughs> must be a survival of the ancient belief in swearing as a means of avoiding evil. Ah, a rabbit's foot is also popularly yeah. thought to bring good luck, but apparently in order Not for, for the rabbit. What? Not for the rabbit. Not for the rabbit. <laughs> um, apparently in order for it to be considered lucky, though, the foot, the foot has to be the left hind foot specifically. And it has to have stepped in dog shit. <laughs> I guess so. And be struck by lightning. And be red. Um, there was a show, though. I read a thing that said that there was a TV show in the 90s that at the last day of the month, they would say, don't forget to say rabbit, rabbit tomorrow. I and so a lot of people remember it from that 80s, 90s, rabbit, I guess. Rabbit. But I Was it American TV show or British? I think it was American. I, I, I think it was Nickelodeon it. or something like that. I'd never watched it. Rabbit, 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 rabbit. The yeah. rabbit habit. You got to get the habit of saying rabbit, rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's at the beginning. So 
remember on the 1st of November. Remember, first words. Remember, be, remember the 1st of, of November, November to say rabbit, 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 rabbit out of habit. Yeah, make it a habit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, rabbit, rabbit's another one. That's fun. I've yeah. never, and what's, and it's supposed to be good luck to it's say good it, luck right? And it's because it. rabbits are like denizens of the underworld that I will help so. make shit go fine, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Or we're just know. doing what After children After reading in... like Watership Down, I don't, I, I, I feel bad asking rabbits to do anything. <laughs> right. It's what children in the early 1900s decided worked. So, what if it worked for them? Uh, <laughs> they were probably working the mines too. That's true. So you're they right. were very close to the rabbits. Were they lucky if they were working mines though? Mm. Doubtful. Uh, don't <laughs> kiss babies on the lips. If you plant one on a baby in Nigeria, legend says you'll condemn them, condemn them to spend their entire adult lives drooling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Terrible. what happened to Gus. Oh, it's he is the droolingest motherfucker. He looks like he swallowed a tennis shoe. Always. Yeah. Just and <laughs> if you start to eat, it's like, why are your lips bubbling like you've just started boiling water in your mouth? That's funny. Like, and the, and he'll get like little, little, like these sometimes very stunning array of yes, bubbles. Like bubbles. Little, little artistic little stalagmites of saliva bubbles. Yeah. Um, just hanging down there that go all the way from his droopy lip to the floor. And he's like, looking at you like, I'm like, how, how the fuck? If you shook your head right now, Gus, you would drench all of us. Yeah, he likes to do it and then lay his head on my leg. So that's always fun, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't open umbrellas indoors. Uh, yep. Yeah. I still kind of abide by that one. I do, too. Yeah, I do, too. Open, according to superstition, if you open an umbrella before you head outside, bad luck will rain on you. There are some who say this belief came from the early Egyptians, while others say it came from the British in the 18th century when waterproof umbrellas with metal spokes and a large circumference could cause injury if opened inside a home. Mm -hmm. So what I heard was the good luck that's in your home, if you open an umbrella, you protect yourself from it, basically. So the good luck won't fall on you anymore. The umbrella keeps it from hitting you. So you want, there's good luck in your home. You want that good luck to hit you. If you have an umbrella, it won't. That's what I heard. Uh I was thinking just a pain in the ass to get the umbrella out the door. That's true. That's ridiculous. Why would you do that? (laughs) Don't jump over a child. Well, God damn it. (laughs) Another thing you shouldn't. What if the child's in your way? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Another thing you shouldn't do in Turkey is jump over a child. Doing this will curse them to be short forever. So far, every superstition I'm hearing with regards to children sounds like a children problem. Yeah, like, right. It's their problem. Like, oh, cool. Let me. Uh, hey, what a lovely baby you have here. Oh, nothing happens to me. <laughs> I'm like, just I don't give a shit. Right. You, <laughs> you crush some child. I didn't want to jump over it. What if it was going to be short? Um, and the last one we have for today is sleeping with the fan on. Oh, I'm familiar with this. Yes. This is South Korean as well. Um, and this was actually the girl's mom is does this as well. Uh, They do not sleep with fans running in closed rooms. If they do, it's believed to be fatal. To combat fan death, legend says to leave windows open. It's a toxic fandom. Oh! Oh. And with that, we're done! (laughs) Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Now, having said that, before we go, are there any unusual like superstitions specific to you that you're comfortable with sharing? Like with me counting things in threes that I discussed at the right. beginning. Is there anything that you find yourself doing that? Because it and it doesn't have to be. Sometimes we we do things um, without realizing like that. That's just a habit that it somehow doesn't feel. Com- it's almost a compulsive thing. Right, right. Like I, it's not that you do it because you feel like it, it'll be bad luck. If you don't, you just do it and it doesn't feel like complete until you've done the thing. 
uh, like for me, and this is, uh, you know, a, a kind of example of like, I have to check the door when I, when I check to see if the door is locked, I have to unlock it and lock it. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. And yeah. that's, uh, or no, I just have to make sure it's in the right position. Yeah. So, so for I, me, know I have to, to, I, to, I think I've got a little bit of an OCD. Right. Now I will say, uh, there are certain things that I have to do or I'll forget that I did them. So, um, I will, if I lock the door, I usually will try to say I've locked the door. Yeah, to myself so that when I get to the car and I'm driving away, I'm not like, did I lock the door? Because if I have, if I get to, even though I know that I've locked the door, if I think for a second I haven't locked the door and I hadn't said that, then I will go ar- back around to make sure I've locked the door. I have to do it. When my mom uh, is leaving the, the uh, when she's dri- pulling out of the driveway, she'll make, she'll count to 10. Once the garage door is down, yeah. she'll count to 10. Uh, while it's after it's down right uh, and only after it's down will the countdown start and just to make sure that that's how she reminds herself that she closed it yeah i i do a thing where i'm like i guess if there's something i have to remember like let's say um i don't know let's say there's a number i have to call in the morning and so i put on a little scrap of paper and just to help me remember i'll put it next to you know i'll put it on the kitchen table or the the bar but before i go to bed that night i will very quickly remind myself to remember it by mm. like imagining like a kind of thread or something going between like my head and the the piece of paper with the phone number on it or whatever oh, that nice. thing happens to be. And then I just really focus on it for like a couple of seconds and then it'll be the, it tends to be then the first thing I, I, I or one of the first things that pops in my head when I wake up in the morning. So I remember it. Oh yeah. It's no. not so much superstition. That's just more like a mnemonic device. But I yeah. think a lot of superstitions grow out of just habits that habits. serve some other purpose that have since kind of, you know, we've sort of lost, maybe we've lost touch with the practical side of them because life has changed so much anymore. So it's so much now that, you know, certain things yeah. we used to do like salt isn't a big deal to spill on the table anymore because it's right. not as expensive anymore. It's much easier to mine or whatever. I mean, it's yeah. nothing like it was in the ancient world. So um, where so it was where maybe in the back, in the old days it just kind of started as a courtesy or, or something I don't know yeah or no, you know Judas it, yeah yeah it's sitting uh, on your shoulder yeah it but it, it grows into something kind of paranormal but just to right. kind of explain wh- why we still do it even though in my mind now with the salt stuff it's like you've spilled salt and it's attracted the devil so he's like what and peeks over your shoulder salt, salt. and then you can be like boom and he's like oh they got me again <laughs> Hoist by his own petard. No, I'm such a goof. <laughs> Every time I see the think of the devil over the shoulder, I think of that scene in Sinister. Is it Sinister? No, no, uh, Insidious. With the, oh. um, with yeah. the red oh, face with, with the, the Darth Maul demon. Yes. <laughs> that's a great. That one is and Barbara so Hershey's creepy. looking and she sees him. Like, that's a great. Yeah. But he's over his right shoulder. Left of the screen, but it's his right yeah, shoulder. that's true. They got it wrong. Well, I mean, Insidious. he's not. I mean, he's a devil. He's got the cloven hooves and the tail and everything and the horns. So, I mean, if he's not the devil, he's certainly in Well, line. but, you know, he's the trickster. So maybe he hopped over to the other side. <laughs> this is why we're going to be like, wait, does he hop over to the other side? So is it the right way? No. Oh. It's the left. It's the left. It's the left. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything specific to me. I have habits. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's funny how, like, habits that aren't necessarily associated with the thing in terms of like, this helps me do it. It's just something I've gotten in the habit of doing around the other task. And so for now me- it controls it. Yeah, so it becomes part of it. So if I f- forget to do that part, it just feels like I haven't done the actual task correctly, even though it has no bearing on the efficiency or the, the way the task is done. I'm yeah. trying to think of other examples. I used to be really afraid of wanting things. 
Yeah. Because then it would curse me to not get them. Mm. Like if I wanted something too much, then for sure I wasn't going to get it. Isn't the phrase be careful what you wish for because you might just get it? Yeah, but that wasn't what it was. <laughs> you were like, be careful what you wish for because you ain't going to get it. Right. If you want, if if the universe found out that I wanted something <laughs> really badly, it wasn't what, going to let me have it. What a what a very Buddhist viewpoint. Like, I, like I'm afraid of not getting stuff, so I'm going to solve it by not wanting stuff. Yes. that's Actually, I applaud that. I think that's Thanks. a very Except healthy It didn't come from a healthy place. It came from the universe <laughs> is out to get me. Well, it is. So <laughs> it's, not, it's not out to get us, but it doesn't give a fuck. Right. But that's not my thought process was it does. And if it it's finds like out I want something, it will actively prevent it I mean, six and one half dozen the other. Out to get you, it doesn't care if you die. Like, eh, it's really it's, all the same. When the right. universe holds, either way, the universe holds all the cards. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was my, that was a thing when I grew, when I was growing up. It took me a while to actually, and I still like for holidays and stuff, uh -huh. I don't. Like people ask me what I want, I never know because I didn't grow up actively trying to want things wow. because I didn't want to get disappointed. I didn't want to get. Now, see, yeah. I had a I had a workaround, it's a little similar, I guess. So whenever we were kids, like for especially for Christmas, we'd always get the Sears Wish Book, this yes. gigantic catalog, and the middle section, like opening the Bible to Psalms. Now they have an um, Amazon one. Yeah, <laughs> but in the middle of the Sears catalog. Uh, was the toys, the mm -hmm. toy uh, section, which was like just page after page of beautifully published color photographs of everything every a child could want. And I'm like, I didn't even know what I wanted until I opened that fucking catalog. That, 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 that. And I got in the habit of asking for the most expensive thing, but I would always ask for that first. And then I I, I quickly realized this is so manipulative of me, but I was, I was a clever child. Um, <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> I was smart when I was a kid. Um, I realized if I asked for something really expensive that I knew my parents would say no. Like, no, Santa can't afford that this year. <laughs> Santa bro. Santa's, Santa's cutting back. Uh, <laughs> the reindeer need to be fed, you know, kind of thing. But if I if the first thing was too expensive, they'd always, almost always say yes to the next thing I asked for, as long as it wasn't as expensive. So I'd be like, ah, so if I want this $100 toy, if it was the first thing I asked for, they'd say no, because it's $100. But if I asked for this $150 toy first and they had to say no, the guilt they felt would make them want to agree to give me the $100 wow. toy. Wow. <laughs> I think it worked exactly once. Yeah, but still, it worked. It worked. Wow. I was all about just kind of managing my expectations. Um, I think that's important. I like, I, well, I'll, I'll ask for the really expensive thing, but I'll expect the slightly less expensive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> What I've learned to do for my for stuff is to write down things that I want. Uh -huh. And then I have to give lists to people. Like I have to, someone in the family is in charge of my list mm. so that they can communicate to everybody else what I want, which can sometimes be a challenge with my mother because she always wants to surprise me. Oh, but God, usually when she surprises me, it's, it's a with surprise. shit I don't want. <laughs> it's not a good surprise. And then and inevitably it's so much something I don't want that it hurts my feelings. Uh, and so see my my family they make no bones about it like my mother's like tell me what you want give me yeah. an amazon wish list it's kind of it's so absurd it almost goes in the other direction i'm like why are we exchanging gifts yeah. we might as well just you know agree our gift to each other is to not get each other presents so we can right. afford to get the thing we want for ourselves exactly yeah um my sister-in-law is the one that will will give like surprise gifts but only as like accoutrement to the thing you actually asked for right. so like say if i ask for like a, a wine rack or something she'll then get me like bottles of wine and like little things like you know maybe some wine glasses to go with it like things 
things yeah. that she knows I didn't ask for, but that will go with the thing I They'll had asked for. Compliment the thing. So they're not they're they're. They're what we call, uh, they're, uh, the occasion word is lanyap. It's a little something extra. Right. You know. So for me, what I'll put on there uh, on my list is stuff I wouldn't buy myself. Mm. If I'm going to buy, buy, if it's something I would buy, I try to keep it off the list. Unless it's something that, you know, I want that maybe is a little more expensive and so maybe people can go in t- together or whatever. But yeah, I have a really hard time wanting things mm. because of this. And I don't know where I got this idea as a kid. But it was that if if I wanted something and it was and I let it be known, so you wouldn't get it, then I wouldn't get it. Man, that's rough. Yeah, that's rough. I think I, I you know, I must have felt something similar to that because I felt the need to kind of haggle and 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 yeah. always like earn it, but or like guilt people into giving me stuff because I didn't feel I, I guess I didn't feel worthy of it. Right. So I'm like, well, I got, hmm, but I still want it. I, I think for me, I, and it's funny, this bleeds over to something I do now that I'm a big believer in. I realize that most of my life when it comes to like p- the power of positive thinking that I've been making, I've, people tend to misinterpret what that means. I think, um, uh, and, and there's a lot of evidence to support this, that the power of positive thinking doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, we think of positive thoughts, but positive equals good. And it does. But positive means something that's there. It means present. Positive mm-hmm. versus negative. A negative is the opposite of something. It's it's the absence of something. A positive is a thing. When you posit an idea, you're right. putting forth something. So positive, in it, like the root of the word means a thing that's there, a presence. Yeah, it's you the know, right so. hand versus the left hand. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> so I always tell, like, so it's kind of a superstitious thing for people, like, if they're going to psych themselves up. They tend to put. They tend to frame their pep talks in negative terms. Like I'm not gonna fuck up. I'm not gonna fuck up. I'm not gonna fuck up. And so they fuck up. Why? Because like the key feature of what they're saying to themselves is fuck up, fuck up, fuck up, fuck up, fuck. It's like it's like your unconscious brain doesn't hear the word not and just goes uh, not gonna fuck up, not gonna fuck up. You mean fuck up? Got it? Yes, right. And that's why. And this is just good advice for interview. And this is there's nothing superstitious about this. This is human psychology, and it absolutely works. But if instead of wishing for the absence of something, mm-hmm. like the absence of embarrassing yourself, the absence of, you know, fucking up an audition or whatever. If instead you you picture a thing actually happening, a positive good thing that you want to have happen and actually thinking of the presence, the positivity of something you want in your life, then that tends to put you in a frame of mind where like, you know, the picture, like, so instead of, I, I made a TikTok about this a few weeks ago, but, um, you know, let's say you have a big audition and you're really nervous because, of course, who isn't nervous? But if you just stand in front of a mirror, psyching yourself up, saying, I'm not going to fuck this up, I'm not going to fuck this up, you're going to fuck it up because you're yeah. focused on fucking up. Whether you say yeah. it, you will or you won't, you're still focused on the act of fucking right. up. You That's can't the focus. act a negative. You, yeah, exactly. But yeah. if instead you picture like, well, what does nailing that audition look like? What is that? What is that? What would that feel like if you try to fill your head with with those positive, right. um, you know, thoughts or, or visualizations, then you have an idea of how things will go and on, on an unconscious level, you'll strive for it. Yeah. Um, so it's very important. Like, and that's, again, it sounds superstitious, but it's not. It's that when they say the power of positive thinking, it's not just thinking that things are going to go well for you because something bad isn't going to happen. Right. You've got to focus on the actual, you've got to have a or tangible. Or ignoring what's in front of your face so that you can smile about it. That's just false advertising. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. do that either. Oof. Yeah. But yeah. What's the phrase? Like, I think positive thinking is bullshit, but optimism, I think, is meaningful. Yeah. I had a teacher once say that positive thinking is you're like, okay, I'm not going to stub my toe. I'm not going to stub my toe. I'm not going to stub my toe. And you stub your toe. Um, (laughs) That's just denial. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'm not going to skin my leg (laughs) Um, or whatever, her foot. Uh, 
Whereas optimism, I think, is more a commitment to like the bad things can mean something if you if you take control of them and take responsibility. Not yeah. not like I don't know. I'm getting deep here. Right, There's a difference perfect. between fault and responsibility. That's true too. Yeah. But it's like hey, you were dealt a shit hand. It's not your fault, but you got to deal with well, it. Well, how do you choose to live with those things? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if other people have superstitions that we haven't mentioned or experience with particular ones that we have mentioned. Yeah. So if you have them, if you have any stories that are about superstition send them to mm-hmm. us we still want to hear uh, especially if it's something you've kind of de- like developed on your own like that's an own personal superstition that seems to work for you yeah I love yeah. those those fascinate me right it's yeah I don't have a ton of those um but yeah if you do let us know um yeah, you do yeah, thank you guys for listening. Yes. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. We love you guys so much. We're really looking forward to our Halloween event this uh, weekend. You've already heard about it. Yes, so yes, yes. Um, yes, I yes, guess yes. until we see you, stay safe. Stay sane. And remember, it's, it's okay, okay to, to sleep, sleep with, with the lights on. on. We said it at the same time today. Yay. <laughs> <clears throat> you can just uh, take that one out there, Matt. <clears throat> yes. We had to eat. So, sorry about the ASMR <laughs> nature of gross-ass ASMR. But we'll just, you know, start. We'll clap. That'll that'll get, yeah. be a good start. <laughs> I don't know why we both clap. <laughs> we're looking at each other. If one of us could have clapped, it would have hit on most microphones. Anyway, we're back.